When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let me start it. It is Jay Scott, and it is the Hook Rocks Ultimate Rock Community Podcast here at Rocket Pond in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, looking forward to a great day. We're going to have a lot of guests stopping by and uh, enjoy the show. Uh, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, great network of music-related podcasts. So check them out at pantheonpodcast.com, uh, as well as on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Pantheon Pods. And don't forget to check out the Hook Rocks wherever you social media and instagram twitter and facebook at the hook rocks and don't forget to write us a review and hope you've been enjoying the latest episodes that we've done uh the gems the four members of thunder mother emily Gernika, and mona stopped by to talk about the recent separation from thunder mother and what's ahead for them so check that out and also the live album review with rob in the hood talking the Rush album, Exit Stage Left, as well as our audio professor, Rob, at Skylab Tapes, talking about vintage audio systems. That and more, Dax Nielsen, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, Richie Codson. Check them all out, a bunch of new music spotlights, and uh, just enjoy this episode. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. I've never done anything like this before, so I uh, hope you enjoy. I was like, no, I'm going to have headphones. I see people without headphones, and then we, we didn't. I actually brought headphones, but my son, who didn't come, broke that, those headphones, and I didn't realize it until I got here. Yeah. So it was kind of like one of those deals. Oh, it happens. Yeah. Fuck it. it I happens. can hear you. 
Well, hey, we're leading off with one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite artists. <laughs> Had an incredible album in 2022. Uh, we're going to talk about it uh, briefly again here. He's got about 15 minutes with us. That's Tuck Smith. What's happening, man? Hey, buddy. It's good to see you again. Good to see you, too. Finally able to you know, meet her, uh, face-to-face yeah. on the show a couple times. Yeah. So excited to see you last night. So excited to have you here. Um, thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. Of course, buddy. You're so, awesome. So I got I to gotta ask you. Now that this album's out, when I talked to you last time, I asked you if you were okay with how everything went down previously to this album. Now this album's out and it's getting rave reviews and it's people are really digging it. Are you in a better place than you were six months ago? I think you could ask me this question uh, and my answer would be different every day depending on my mood. Um, but you know, man, it's kind of both. I, I'm super stoked that people love the record and I worked really hard and like I said before, it was a victory just to get the album out uh, in today's music industry, doing kind of a guitar rock album, um, and really just trying to find a team to support it uh, is a beautiful thing, because a lot of bands, they just, they can't. Um, am I cool how it went down in the past? No. Um, I, like the song, I'll forgive but not forget, you know, I've came to peace with it, but the way it whole went down, it, it pretty much sucked. Um, but what it's done is it's kind of gave me like this, this fuel, you know, it, that whole thing propelled this album for me to write it and everything. So it's good. It was cool. Yeah. I think the, the thing that I take away from it is, you know, there's always that vulnerability with an artist whenever they're putting out music, you pretty much had to start over after the record got shelved and you had to, you know, create new music that you had to, you know, forget those songs that you put out previously with the, that, you know, that wasn't able to come out. So there's that uncertainty when you're moving forward. And especially with the circumstances that you have, how did you overcome that and just be confident with what you were putting out and not worry about what it compares to what you did before? I mean, that's a good question. I think that because it was during the quarantine and I wasn't really able to do anything, I really got to just focus 100% of my energy just writing and, and kind of thinking and I knew that I had to write new songs that competed with the last ones um, and I don't even know how I was kind of like in this this trance mode I was just staying up all night writing and demoing the songs out um, and you know as an artist you don't know you're very close to your songs you don't know how people are going to feel but I do remember uh, I was like, I'm just going to put a rock rock and roll record out the way I want because there's nobody involved. So I didn't have a committee, a team. There was no algorithms, what's hot on Spotify. So it really came from a, a very pure place, lyrically, spiritually, all of it. So it's, at the very least, it's real. Speaking of algorithms, part of our conversation last time was about TikTok and yeah. how it is killing the music business. Well, there's a lot coming out lately about TikTok about how it may be banned. There's talk about legislation that's coming out of committee that's going to be put on a bill to ban TikTok. I know I've talked to a lot of other artists prior to this conversation with you right now. Everyone's extremely happy about that. I don't want to like piss on anybody's parade, but I would love for it to get banned. And I have thoughts like I actually really enjoy TikTok watching engineers and songwriters and producers talk it's really educational for me and and i love that aspect but when it comes down to the artist portion of it especially for rock it just makes it a little too disney for my liking and it kind of gets like after school special because it promotes that kind of 
hey, everybody like me kind of pandering thing. And my favorite artists uh, were super fucked up and, and kind of unpredictable. So I want that back in rock and roll, and TikTok is kind of impeding that. So selfishly, I want it to go away, but I also like aspects of it. So it's kind of a weird thing. Well, I think the negative aspect of it is how it's completely killed the vision of any record label. Because 100%. now you have these kids out there, you know, young people who are playing covers of songs. And there's a talent in that. There is. To, to, to match note for note something that's already been created, there is some, some talent. But to sign these kids to record deals where they're going to have a team of writers, they're not going to write their own music, they're never going to tour, just because they've got millions of followers and millions of views... It kills the vision of a record label because it used to be, hey, I like that artist because they're good. Let's 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 grow them. Let's work with them. Now that it's completely gone because of TikTok. I think we've talked about this before, but like somebody like a, a John Mellencamp or a Bowie or something, it took them many albums to really kind of break and go through the life experiences and the ups and downs to really become a great writer and a great artist. And what I look for for an artist is like a season of life, whether, you know, they've had a weird childhood, a drug addiction, mental problems, whatever their situation may be, it kind of shines in the art. And so to me, if you get somebody on TikTok that's just doing like, hey, I'm doing Taylor Swift in the style of Blink-182, that's kind of entertaining, but people are getting careers off that. Um, And I'm not bitter about it. There there, there should be a lane for everybody. But to me, it's kind of... it's kind of letting like probably real artists slip through the cracks and not be able to get a chance. I think it's that American Idol voice mentality where you think you could show up for an audition, yeah. sing on stage, and then all of a sudden make it. You know, that's that's the definition of making it. Yeah, today. skipping, skipping all the hard work, the yeah. grind, and everything. The ten thousand hours. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, I'm from the school of punk rock. I grew up and. We got in the fucking van, my last van, for nine years. We played every punk club, every dive. We slept on floors, uh, being robbed, fucking living off Taco Bell, nothing. Uh, and all that like kind of creates like the pressure to become an artist. And it, it kind of weeds out the lifers from the other people. So TikTok, um, and it's not just in rock. I've seen some, like, there's a lot of people talking about this new country artist I can't remember his name he was a TikTok star and now he's playing arenas and they're like saying he can't sing and he's not ready because he just doesn't have the experience so you're going to come with those kind of pitfalls if you take somebody that doesn't have experience and put them on the world stage yeah I think that's really the difference between what you're talking about and this new age of artists where they don't understand like the mistakes and the grind and the trial and error and just getting out there. I mean, I've talked to so many artists. I do a lot of new music spotlights on here, and they talk about that grind. They talk about going in a band. There's still bands out there that do that, and that's so great because I think that's what rock and roll is about. Rock and roll really is about that grind and about getting dirty, getting your hands dirty, yeah. um, and not just sitting in a bedroom recording yourself and releasing a 40-second video. <laughs> now, look, um, I agree with you, but I feel like you know if somebody is able to do covers and play that game and it's true to them and authentic to themselves, then more power to you. But what it what TikTok does is it doesn't leave room for people who don't wanna who don't fit within that box. And I know me personally, I like TikTok. I can do a little bit, but I'm not gonna be on there like doing cosplay things and uh, dressing up for Halloween and, and doing other people's songs just because it doesn't feel authentic to me. 
So yeah. I guess to each his own. You and Jared James Nichols just announced some dates earlier this week. Big fan of both. Enough of, you guys. of TikTok, dude. I'm sick of. T- I'm kidding. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> You're getting me riled up, uh, dude. I'm so stoked to be going on tour with Jared. Um, a real ki- amazing musician. He's been doing it for a while, like me. And it's cool just to go out in the clubs as a team and kind of p- play these markets and stuff. So I'm really excited, man. How did you guys? How does your relationship with him? How did that form? How's that been? been evolving i met through his manager who i know was a fan of my last band and he's a he's a great guy and he manages jared and we just started talking and he's like fuck dude why don't we go out you know because this became a little more difficult to uh get opening slots like band it's it's been more difficult lately uh to try to get somebody to take me out and i'm not going to speak for jared uh but i think we were just like fuck it we're going to go out and do these clubs ourselves and make it a package and he like we have no egos me or Jared about it we'll share backline share gear we're switching head uh, headlining and stuff so it's super cool man now the initial dates were just announced is there going to be more coming soon or is it um, I think like for that east coast run that'll be it for that and then we're working on some work. there's works uh, stuff in the works from I can't talk about it but maybe other sure, things sure um, one of the things that's changed for you um, over the last few years is, is you've been doing a lot more producing yeah. and working with other artists. How has that helped you evolve as an artist? Like with Fast Eddie, you just did that record. You did a country record too with a, yeah. a, a produced that. Yeah. How has that helped you? What, what's the, how has that helped you evolve as a musician and, and songwriting? I love producing and writing and I think, you know, it's really became a necessity to be able to survive. Um, and nowadays, to kind of be a musician, you kind of got to be able to do a little bit of everything. And since I moved to Nashville, I'm working with quite a few artists. I'm working with like three or four right now, and they're all different. One's country, one's like kind of glammy rock, one's like Kings of Leon, Machine Gun Kelly, like modern. So it's cool, and it really kind of pushes me out of my comfort zone to kind of figure out how to produce or engineer and write that kind of things. So to me, at the, end of the day, I, at the end of the day, I want to be a great songwriter. And to put myself in those situations is very, very humbling because you realize you're just a student. Yeah, absolutely. You, you it's, it's, you're working behind the glass, you know. And, and, and I'm learning. I'm like, fuck. Uh, it's very humbling. Like I go into a country songwriting session and go, this is completely different than writing rock lyrics. And it's a, a, a humbling, eye-opening experience, which I love, man. How is it different? I think with rock and roll, it's more about the slogan. Like if you like, because I think about songwriting all the time. I'm obsessed. And you, you think about some of the biggest ones. Let's say um, Highway to Hell, for example. They just say Highway to Hell four times in the chorus. I'm on a highway to hell four times. Country are these very nuanced kind of puns and play on words that are a tag, like a tagline. Especially modern country, so it's a whole different animal. It's more of a lyric story based. His rock is more of a slogan base, like bumper sticker yeah, yeah, shit, you yeah. know, born to raise hell, whatever the fuck. Right. You know? Yeah, it's, it's country's more for the barbecue, and rock and roll is more for the party. Yeah. You know? Yep. And I see a lot of new modern country are adding a lot of, a lot of guitar in there nowadays, so it's kind of, they're kind of crossing over. Um, yeah, I, I've noticed, too, with, with the country aspect now and how that's evolved, it's very similar to what was... In terms of the show, in terms of like the presentation, very similar to what was happening in the '80s in rock, you know, over the top, yes, you know, stuff like that. You know, you know, not obviously image-wise, but just the whole production is very similar to that. 
I agree. I feel like, especially moving to Nashville and kind of like emerging myself a little bit in it, it's kind of like the new rock country. It's it's streaming and selling really well, um, and it's kind of becoming what rock was at, at its heyday, I think. Um, for better or worse, it is what it is, you know? Coming back into the business after the pandemic, the pause that everybody went through, your, you know, your booking tours, what's different now than it was before the pandemic in terms of getting out on the road? If you want me to be completely honest. I always do, because you are. <laughs> it, it's harder to get shit done now than it, it seems like it's harder to get shit done than it ever was before. <laughs> like phone calls, returning, get the ball moving. You know, people are more weary to take risks, especially monetarily wise, because, you know, the, with the economy, it's very uncertain. And people are kind of shell-shocked after the pandemic um i will say people are in general more more friendly and more happy but you know vinyl times are like eight to nine months tours are booked so far ahead of time now and everybody's fighting for the same slots i don't know if you've noticed a lot of tours come out and there's like six openers yeah seven openers and people are like fighting for the slot so well that's also there because the promoter wants to keep people in the venue longer to drink. They want to drink, drink. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, you, you, you're drunk or you have had a few in you. You're able to buy more merch because you're like, ah, I'll just I'll buy three T-shirts instead of one. Yeah, you know. So um, I think that you know, as they always say, hindsight's twenty twenty. When I was in Biters, it was a lot easier to get tours and get stuff, and I did take it for granted because that's all I knew. So. You know, humbling experience and stuff like that is great for spiritual growth. So I'm all about it. I'm like, fuck. So now anything I get, I'm just so grateful for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah awesome. It, it, you know? Absolutely. So, especially for like these interviews with you. You're awesome, bro. So. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I love your music. I love the album. Thank you, buddy. It was it was number two in my 2022. Who was number one? Goodbye June. See where the night goes. Oh, yeah. Are they from here? Yeah. I'd love to do some shows with them. Yo. I know Tyler personally, so cool. I will... Uh, I'm a fan, so... Yeah, I'll they worked with my buddy Scott Stevens, too. Yeah, I just and had Scott on the show. Okay, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. He's like a mentor to me. Scott's awesome. And we've written some songs together, yeah. and uh, I love him. Awesome. One of my favorites. Talk, man. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Good to see you. Take care. <laughs> I threw a coffee at him during a roast once. I was very... Yeah. What was it? Yeah. Yeah. Was it... It's a running joke that Sebastian Bach threw a coffee at him because he was upset about his jokes about him. So, Sebastian throws a lot of coffee, I would imagine, then. Yeah, it was weird. We did a roast of uh, Corey Taylor. And, uh, you know, when you do a roast, there's always this preparation of like, all right, uh, I got all my jokes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shit on everybody, but people are going to shit on me. And I got some big targets. Like, I grew up in a deaf family, so... As soon as someone starts to go, hey, Craig Gass is here. I don't know if you know this, but Craig's whole family is deaf. And I immediately just start laughing like, ah, this doesn't hurt me at all. <laughs> like, you know. And But uh, Sebastian um, really hated the jokes about him. And then at some point, he just took a hot coffee and he threw it across the stage at Don. And, um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was an epic moment. I think Don went on to talk about it in one of his comedy specials, too. So... I'm surprised he didn't throw wine because Sebastian's yeah. kind of known for the, Sebastian for does, the red wine lips. Yes, he does like his wine. The purple teeth. He does like his wine, and he's uh, he's a big kid, man. He's uh, a big music fan. Um, he lives in the same town I do. 
uh, in Las Vegas. Um, I just moved there, and, and uh, Sebastian's um, always been great to me. He had me over for a couple of birthday parties now, and, and um, um, he still loves music so much that he'll, like, sit in the audience and just scream and sing to shows and I love that about him you know a, a rock star in his own right you know yeah a rock star and a rock fan yeah and a rock fan which uh, how can you not love that so for those wondering who this guest is it is the comedian Craig Gass who I've been wanting to have on the hook rocks for a while now um, your stories about Eddie Van Halen <laughs> are incredible yeah the question I have for you is how many nights did you lie on your bed looking at the ceiling going I'm living with fucking Eddie Van Halen well it was uh, interesting at the time I was working on a TV show called Las Vegas for NBC so it was a crazy 360 experience where I would get up every morning and head down to Culver City I think it was to uh, spend all day on a set where I was telling jokes to James Caan and Alec Baldwin. That's where I first made friends with Alec Baldwin. And then every night I would come back home and Eddie would be in the next room because my I was sleeping in the recording studio, had a living room set up, and I was sleeping in that living room set up. A lot of people over the years have lived in that uh, living room set up that I know. Uh, most people who had worked with Van Halen in some capacity. And... So when I would come home, I'd knock on the door, and I go, and Ed would be alone, just playing guitar, and I'd go, "Hey man, I just got home. Is it okay if I listen for a little bit before I go to bed?" And he'd go, "Dude, I'm fucking lonely. Come on in, you know." And I would listen to Eddie play uh, guitar uh, at night. It was very surreal, um, you know, uh, and there was a lot of surreal moments because he was such a hermit um, and and just uh, such an introvert that. To not only be on the inside of his life, but to have him telling me, I love you every day, was was very surreal. I remember um, early on in my time over there, uh, the door opened up and his cancer guy came in. He had, a, he had a guy that would give him a drip once a week. He was, he was fighting cancer with alternative medicines and winning. Um, he was also bankrolling a... Uh, a cancer research center in Long Island that he would go visit. Um, and I remember his cancer guy coming in and I just, I stood up and I go, oh, hey, I'm Craig. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a friend of Maddie's who's Eddie's assistant who also lives on the property. And then Eddie walked in behind him and he goes, dude, what the fuck? You're not my friend? And I go, oh, well, I, I didn't want to assume. And he goes, dude, you're in my fucking house. And I go, yeah, that's true. And he goes, yeah. And I love you. And I go, well, I love you too, Ed. And, and you know, so that little moments like that were kind of surreal, you know? Um, and, uh, so yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. I mean, I got some amazing stories out of it, you know? And, um, but I also found out a year after I moved out that Matt, the reason I moved in was because I was trying to get over a relationship and I found out, a year later that my ex and Maddie were hooking up. They were fucking the whole time. So, um, you know, which uh, was, I didn't really, I wasn't mad at her about it. I was like, dude, you've been looking me in the face. Oh, man. You know, for the last year, I would go on the road 
for a week and go do comedy shows. And then she would come over and hang out with Maddie. And then when I came back, he would look at me and be like, are you okay? Are you doing all right? How are you holding up? And it was, it was crazy. They were together for five years. They almost got married. Yeah, it was nuts. But I got an amazing story out of it. So a great Hollywood story. So, you know. That had to be, like you said, surreal. Here's one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting, you know, a foot away from him as he's just noodling and playing. And Dude, if you're a Van Halen fan, you'll get this. Um, there was one night we were hanging out. Um, he also had just gotten out of a relationship, too. Um, uh, not with Valerie. It was like long after Valerie. He, so we would commiserate over heartache. And he had a guitar in his hand. And we were talking, we're talking, we're talking, talking. And then he goes, uh, he goes, dude, hold on. I got to finish this guitar solo. So they were working on a new album at the time that was, it was a best of album that had two new songs. Was this the what, David? With Sammy. With Sammy, okay. This is 2004. This is like okay. early 2004. I, I lived there from January till, I want to say May of 2004, like whenever the tour started. Like when, like all the production stuff that was happening was all, like Alex was very hands-on at looking at uh, potential light designs. There was always like artwork around. And then there was sample merch at the house that Alex was looking at. So this is 2004. Um, so we're hanging out. And he's got his guitar in his hand. He goes, oh, let me, let me finish this guitar solo. So he pushes record, and he plays the guitar. And I'm watching him play. And then after he gets done, I was like, man, you know what's crazy? Like, I've been to so many shows over the years as a kid growing up. And my favorite part of any Van Halen show was in the middle of your solo. You would play that uh, piece called Cathedral. And he said, dude, sit down. And I go, no, no, no I wasn't. That wasn't trying to get you to play it. I'm just and he goes, no, Craig, sit down. And I go, I I wasn't trying to get and he goes, Craig, sit down. And I go, all right. And he adjusted his pedals and he played like a 10 minute version of Cathedral for me. And I just sat in front of him going like, wow, this is that was surreal. Yeah. So um I'm grateful for the experience and uh he was really uh kind to me and um uh, I hadn't talked to him in a long time, and I started reaching out um, when I heard he got sober. Um, and we, we had my last conversation with him was uh, uh, it had been over ten years. I felt weird about talking to anybody because Manny fucked my ex, you know. So um, I called him up and said um, uh, he picks the phone. He goes, "Hello," and I go, "Hey, Ed, what's going on?" And he goes, "Who's this?" And I go, "It's Craig Gas." And he goes. Hey, Craig. How you doing? And I go, I'm doing good. What are you doing? And he goes, sitting on the toilet, taking a shit. And I go, oh, you want me to call you back later? And he goes, no. Talk to me. What's going on? And I go, oh, I, I'll call you later. And he goes, no, talk to me. And I go, I don't. Are you doing okay? Are you doing all right? And he goes, yeah, I'm feeling great. How are you feeling? And I go, I'm feeling all right. I'll call you later, dude. I'll, I'll, yeah. I just felt weird. Like, I don't want to talk to you while you're shitting. And that's the last conversation we had. In the last year that he was alive, I started hearing about his health, and I tried calling a couple times. He never picked up. Didn't find out until later that he actually wasn't verbal at all. Yeah. You know? So, um, you know, um, a comedian, a mutual comedian friend of mine who was uh, close to Ed told me that. And um, so, but yeah, man, legendary dude. And like the surreal, there's been some weird moments in life where... Uh, I've had very interesting roommates or been in very interesting uh, situations, just weird 
uh, right place, right time kind of shit. So, but Eddie is definitely uh, at the top of that. So, um, well, he acted as kind of like a like a support soundboard as you were going through the breakup. Yes, yes, he uh, he left me a. Well, he left me a few messages. I, I just whenever I have like an entertaining message, I would always save them. But yeah, he left me a couple of messages about um, heartbreak and about how it can be inspiring for comedy, um, which I, I didn't really experience at the time. I was so thrown by the heartbreak that I, I I didn't really get any material out of it. I got great stories out of it, but I'm realizing now. I'm doing material about the last uh, six months that I spent with my mom before she passed in November. I got a tremendous amount of material out of that that she gave me. That uh, uh, that's great material. But um, but yeah, and I know that creatively, a guy like him could write a great song. Um, I wasn't capable at the time of getting great material out of the pain that I was feeling. So, uh, but yeah, he was he was a soundboard and he was going through. Um, a breakup and it was just a surreal thing because he also was uh, a super super famous guy that I was a fan of you know so every night I would go up there it was just you know it, it was just it was nuts um, but uh, yeah when he passed uh, the debut album Van Halen 1 was such an impact in my of course. life and I remember being like 7 years old and like 82 I want to say yeah 82 and I knew my brother, who was four years older than me, had the record. He was borrowing it from one of his friends. And I came back from, like, I don't know if it was kindergarten or something, a half day, and he was still at school. My mom was cleaning, and I knew he had the Van Halen record in his room. Yeah. So I went, I brought it in, took the Barry Manilow record off the, the phonograph that my mom had. Put the, I instinctively knew that I needed headphones so yeah. my mom would not hear it. Yeah. And I remember hearing Eruption going, what the fuck is this? Oh, yeah. This is, like, insane. And when he passed, I took my, my mom still lives in the same house. Yeah. I took my son to my mom's house like the day after, and I, I go in the living room. I go, this is where it was. And he's looking at me like, what? I go, this is where I heard Van Halen one for the first wow. time. And I'm like looking at him, he goes, okay, <laughs> like like you didn't understand. I'm like, no, this is where I first heard it. This is my nephew. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, but he was like confused. Nephew's hearing a lot of fuck today. Like I'm <laughs> saying fuck twenty times already in this. He, he was he was in fuck mode before he got here too. He was yeah. he was saying some some f bombs and hey, right. you know he's twenty one. All right, yeah, that's that's what he wants to do. All right, go right ahead. But yeah, my son was just confused that you know why is this is your uncle? Have you had sex yet? No, don't look at your uncle. Look at me. You have sex. All right, all right, go ahead. All right, anyways, continue. Um, <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. All right, I'm all right. A, I'm on an as need to know basis. I don't know. All right, let's you know. I mean, even, even, even even with my son, even with my son, I'm like yes. great fatherly advice. Yes. But back to Van Halen, it was a it was a new sound. It was it changed everything. It changed you know Eddie changed everything and uh, David Lee Roth was the kind of person that critics might love to hate, but you couldn't because he was bulletproof because he's standing next to the greatest guitar player of the next generation who is changing the way everybody's a- approaching the instrument. Period. So uh, yeah, so it was really it was really crazy and there are. Things that Eddie told me that were mind-blowing revelations at that time that, thank you, 
Big fan. Don Jameson, everybody. Don Jameson. By the way, uh, if you want to, uh, all my social medias are what now? DonJameson.com. And is that I-E? I-E-S-O-N, yes. Okay, so if you want to find me, go to DonJameson.com, J-A-M, as in Michael, I-E-S-O-N.com, and you'll see all my comedy. I've done a couple of terrorizing telemarketers, great albums. And uh, what was the name of some of my albums? Uh, Denim and Laughter. Denim and Laughter is a great album. Yeah, Communication Breakdown. Communication Breakdown, you got to get. Your, your, everybody loves it. Hell Bent for Laughter. Hell Bent for Laughter is one I of my best albums. I saw him open up for the Dead Daisies at the Forge in Joliet. Oh, yeah. And I, and I came up to him. I was with my son at, the, at this show. Um, son hasn't had sex yet. No, that's his. Ne- that's my nephew. Nephew. Oh, your son has had sex. I don't know. I don't know. I well, don't know. do we want to do some have some breaking news here? Is there anything you want to I tell you about? An exclusive. Wanna, this is his nephew. Oh, your nephew. Have you had sex? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to know. I don't. He said know. no to me. <laughs> so so trust you more. So he, I approach him. I go and I'm talking. I'm like, hey, is that an LSU jersey? And he goes, no, it's a Vikings jersey. I'm like. Sorry, brother. <laughs> oh, I said that. Yeah. No, you're confusing me with. No, no. You're confusing me with that that real ornery comedian, Craig Gass. Yes. Yes. No, it was all Craig Gass comedian on Instagram. We had a laugh about it, but I thought it was an LSU jersey, but it was a Vikings jersey. No, I've never worn a Vikings jersey. And you what know jersey was it then? It was no. purple and yellow. No, wasn't me. The the weird things of like people because uh, they know that we know each other. There was one thing that scared the shit out of me. Somebody tagged me in a live video at one of Don's shows where in the video, he's yelling my name out. Don, say hi to Craig Gass. And Don, just like in the middle of the state, goes, what? Oh, hey. And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Like One of the, one of the greatest bits yeah. I've ever heard. And he Don. thought I had a Vikings jersey on, too. <laughs> no, the, one of the greatest bits I've ever seen Don do is the shitting on a tour bus. Uh, I, I've been, I was just awesome. saying last week... Uh, Don has a joke that makes me go, how did I not think of that? And it's, a, it's one of the greatest rock jokes. I was talking with Ryan and uh, Jeremy about this the other day. It's one of the greatest rock jokes ever. Uh, Don talks about how everybody knows if you're a fan of Guns N' Roses, you know that at one point they all lived in a storage unit together. And he said, wouldn't that be the greatest episode of Storage Wars ever? And I know I'm going to fuck up the joke. Like one guy says, oh, I spent 200 bucks and I got like uh, uh, a couch into something else. Oh, dude, I spent X amount of dollars. I got Guns and fucking roses and ten pounds of cocaine and heroin. Like I, I know I fucked that. It was close enough. Yeah. All right, but if you, if you want to hear the real version of it, go to listen to my album Hellbent for Laughter, and you'll get the official version. But it's at my it's at my website donjameson.com. I'm gonna tell you one of my favorite Craig jokes, but you guys don't have a half hour. Oh! <laughs> True story. I have definitely become a storyteller on stage. He got me on that one. God damn it. But um, yeah, dude, it's a um, um, it's a uh, it's a cool thing. I'm such a fan of stand-up comedy that I love that I'm friends with all my favorite comedians and also friends with all my favorite musicians. So uh, it's it's been a, a fun ride so far, and it's 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 pretty cool. There's definitely a mutual admiration society between comedians and musicians. I know that I just threw this whole thing off by handing the mic over to Don, so my apologies about no that. No worries, but, man. That was a lot of fun. But this has been a fun interview, man. I, um, uh, those were great questions, too, that uh, I always uh, feel like when I talk about Ed that people want me to just uh, retell the story, but you're asking questions that made me really think about that, that time that I was there, so, so I appreciate that. Well, last question before you got to go. How do you think that David Lee Roth has aged? <laughs> 
Um, well, it's weird. It's very interesting because Dave used to be way ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, and he had a style and a sense of humor that was so fast and so quick that you just wanted to be him. And I remember about 20 years ago realizing there was a shift uh, between comedians and rock stars when Dave started quoting his favorite comedians. Well, you know, it's like when Dennis Miller says, you know, you got to do the thing, and the, you know. And I was like, holy shit, man. Dave is quoting my people, you know? And I was like, holy fuck. And then, and then there's this comedy just got bigger and bigger. I just got here from Australia. I was in Australia for two weeks. I did an arena tour in Australia. It wasn't my crowd. It was Russell Peters' crowd. But I did an arena every night across Australia and New Zealand. Comedy is getting fucking huge. And David Lee Roth is an example of how the, the tide has turned. And he's still intense, but man, he's, so he's got a weird intensity. Uh, I noticed when he was on Joe Rogan, if you watch that podcast, he's just all over the place and his teeth are gritted and he just keeps going, yeah, okay, 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 yeah, you know, and then I went to Japan, okay, okay, okay. Is that the uh, one where he, like, in the middle of the interview, just goes to the bathroom? Maybe. Yeah. I think so, and Joe, yeah, and Joe so just like, sits there like, I gotta, yeah, hey, I gotta take a picture. Yeah, David Lee Ross stories are some of my His favorite. podcast is incredible. Uh, like, Dave's podcast? yeah. yeah. He's doing one right now? The Roth Show. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's, it is a trip. Like, it goes off. Like, you don't even know. Like, when you hit play to listen, it's on YouTube. Yeah. You have no idea where it's going to go, and it's that's the beauty of it. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I would I would love to hear that. Check that out. It's awesome. Well, dude, uh, anybody wants to find me, at Craig Gas Comedy uh, with two S's. That's all my social media stuff, at Craig Gas Comedy with two S's. So, right, man. Well, thanks for doing this. Thank you, brother. Got to have you back on and do something longer. I would love to. Thank you. All right, man. Take care. All right, everyone. That was Craig Gas. What a blast to have him on. I've been having him, wanting to have him on for a while. And uh, an old friend has stopped by the booth. <laughs> Um, had him on about a year ago, and that is Mac from the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. But we may have to change the name because it's now the Ugly American Werewolf in Louisville podcast. What's going on, man? How are hey, you? Hey, Jay. Good to see you. Good to be back in the USA. Yeah. It's been, what, three weeks? Been, yeah, I've been home all, not quite three weeks, yeah. Now, are you originally from Louisville? I grew up there until I was 17. Okay. I lived in Florida for about 10 years. Uh, then I moved back. Then I moved to England for a few years. Then I moved to Amsterdam. Was supposed right. to be there for a few years, but after six months, here I am back. So Amsterdam to Louisville. I mean, it's kind of one and the same. Yeah, almost. Yeah, <laughs> close. Uh, except I needed to buy two cars the instant I moved back. That wasn't so easy to do. Right, right. I love public transportation in Europe. It's not the same in the Midwest as you know, Jay. <laughs> you know, outside of Chicago, it's really there really isn't any public transportation it's like true. Chicago. I mean. I think of like New York, Boston, Philly, out east, and I think of Chicago. Right. Not a lot of other major cities have, have public transportation. Not in the Midwest, no. you know. And I love not having a car for four years. So did my yeah. wife. As soon as we get here, it's like, how are we going to get around now? All right, time to go buy cars yeah. again, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So how's the podcast going, man? Hey, it's going great. I mean, Pantheon's been great. Glad to be back on Megaphone. And, uh, yes. you know, it, getting great guests on. Uh, and hopefully we're improving the sound. I've lived in five different places in the last year, so it may vary a little bit, but hopefully now that I'm home, we can get some consistency and, and that will continue to improve. 
you know, I have my outlook on podcasting that I've been doing this now for, God, almost four years. Okay. And it's evolved mm. since I started. Sure. And it's become, like, more than I ever expected. You know, the, the content, producing the content, mm. doing all the marketing, setting up interviews, meeting musicians and other podcasters. Sure. How has the perspective changed for you since you started doing this? It's been cool to to find a new community. You know, I was kind of a business guy for all of my life yeah. uh, up until a few years ago. I said, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to just spend my life in meetings with people who don't care about me. Right. I want to do something that I'm passionate about. So I take care of my kids. And then I also do this podcast with my old college roommate, Action Jackson. Carl Weathers, right? That's right. <laughs> exactly right. They're built about the same. Yes. Uh, and... Uh, no, but it's been great. And then to make inroads with some of these PR folks and, and management folks and to be able to talk to folks like heroes of mine who I saw on MTV growing yeah, up. Yeah. That's amazing. But then to meet other podcasters like you and around the world who share this passion that we do for the minutia of who wrote the songs, what studio was it recorded in, yeah, right? All yeah, that stuff. Yeah. How high did it go on the charts? There's a lot of us out there. And none of them are related to me because my family always rolls their eyes when I start going, did you know that after my Deep family Purple, too. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. all of our families are yeah. like that, right? So we have this new family of folks from around the world to connect with, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, you know, I had that surreal experience. I was interviewing Rick Nielsen. I heard that one. Yeah, and I'm like... I'm looking <laughs> And Dax. And Dax. Yeah. Well, Dax was in my old roommate's band for a while, back like in the early 2000s, late 90s. Oh, yeah? So I'm interviewing... Rick and Dax and you know I've known Dax for a bit and I'm like all that history of like you know watching Fast Times and hearing the songs of oh Fast my Times God. High yeah. and, you know the songs of like my childhood of like Top Gun you know all the songs that he did uh, soundtracks for heavy metal soundtrack yeah yes. yeah and I I asked him I said you know other than Van Halen there really wasn't any other band that was part of pop culture like, like Cheap Trick like Cheap Trick and you know, he just kind of casually, like, well, you know, we knew some people that were putting together soundtracks and studios, and we just did them. But it had such an impact on me growing up. And, yeah. Um, and obviously, they lived, you know, an hour from me, because they lived at they from Rockford. Right, I was going to say, Cheap Trick are huge in Chicago, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, but just to have them out and looking at the Zoom screen and talking with them, I'm like, holy shit, I'm interviewing Rick Nielsen. Like, no. like, I ne like four years ago... Five years ago, I never would have even thought uh, I'd be doing this. Same way. Yeah. I know. It's just incredible. Do you ever get nervous? Maybe the first time. Yeah, yeah. me too. And I remember the first time The first time we had a musician on is a woman named Amanda Lehman, who isn't real huge in the States. She's in Steve Hackett's band. Of course, okay. Steve Hackett's in Genesis. We're going to have her on. I live in London where they have all these old homes, so there's always construction going on to repair them. So I'm like, all right, I got to make this sound good for Amanda. And I go in the front room, and there's someone jackhammering up front. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll go in the back near the garden. There's somebody tearing down stuff in the thing behind me. So I'm like, I got to go in the bathroom to do this interview. But the echo was so bad. I, was just, I just went out front. I paid the guys to go to lunch so they would go take their jackhammers away for an hour. You know? So that made me nervous that day. Since then, I've been, you know, I do my research. I got Jackson there with me. I'm pretty relaxed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like like you, the first time I interviewed someone, like a legacy artist, mm -hmm. I was nervous. I, I interviewed George Lynch. Oh, wow. From Dokken. Yeah. And it was on my birthday. And this was like the first big interview that I was going to get. And I'm waiting. No call. No call. So I 
email the PR person trying to find George. Mm-hmm. George calls me like an hour later. Okay. And he's like, hey, man, I think, we, I, think I missed your call. Do you got time now? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Make time. So he's running errands in his car in Southern <laughs> California. And I'm on the trip with him. Like, he's going in to drop off, like, an amp. And, like, you know, and he's talking to me as he's dropping off the amp. Oh, he wow. gave me, like, an hour of his time. It was only originally supposed to be, like, 20, 20 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. And um, I was so thankful for it because, like, he completely – I was really down after I thought it wasn't going to happen. Sure, yeah. And then just to have him do that. And then to really extend the interview and t- talk about things that, like, he's never talked about, like having the riffs that he records on his phone and, like, his idea he has for an album to record in places like Joshua Tree or wherever, cool. record a song with with music, different musicians in, in like different places around the world. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. He's like, why don't you manage that for me? I'm like, and he was obviously, you know, right, but you know, but, but like, it was such a great conversation, and I always remember that, you know, as like, I, again, never would have experienced that. And I've never been doing this. I know. It's amazing. I'll tell you somewhat of a similar story. I got to know uh, the PR, a woman who runs PR for Yes uh, and Steve Hackett, among others, you know. Going to have Jeff Downs on the show. Okay. Well, she double booked this one day. She's like, do you mind? I can't. You're going to have to rebook you for next Monday instead. I'm like, okay. And by the way, come to the office and say hello. So I go down that day to say hello to her. We hang out. She gives me an hour of her time. And she's giving me free merch and free discs and box sets. I'm like, hey, this is great or whatever, you know. I come home later that day. And then that afternoon, Alan White died. We knew Alan White was sick, but but he had just died like that afternoon. So it was like, wow, I was just with his publicist all afternoon. And then on Monday, I was one of the first interviewers ever to ask Jeff about losing Alan yeah. White and what it was like to have him on the road like that, you know. So wow, what a it, moment. it's amazing how it changes fast like that. But uh, just glad to be a part of this industry instead of looking at spreadsheets and stuff like that. Dude. It is, you know, <laughs> I have my adult life job, and this is a great change of pace. Yeah. It really is, you know. I mean, you know, you, you work and you deal with a lot of different things, and you come home and you're like, oh, I got an interview to do. Yeah. I'm going to go escape for an hour. Yes, and it's great. Beats golf. I never was a golfer. Me neither. So, like, <laughs> you know, I, 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 like George Carlin says, why don't you just pick up the ball and just <laughs> walk after it? It is mean, chase after it. What sense is that? At least in baseball, someone else has yeah. to chase it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is this the youth rocks? No, this oh. is my nephew <laughs> oh, who came down who's never been, my nephew Joey, who's never been um, to Nashville. And, uh, you know, I needed some help, you know, with setup. And sure. my son isn't 21 yet, so I didn't want to. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Be limited to where I could go if people were going places. So I knew he'd turn 21 in December, and he wants to get go places and kind of see the country and see the world. Good for you, man. And I'm like, hey, you want to go to Nashville for the weekend? He's like, sure. So that's what we did. But um, yeah, the Youth Rocks had a Battle of the Bands show last night. Oh, cool. Which I was kind of disappointed. I missed it. I usually don't like to miss the things that he's involved in, but apparently did really well. They did three songs. They opened up with the radio. And Boys Are Back in Town, nice. and then ended with Hallowed Be Thy Name. Wow. Now, what's really interesting about this Battle of the Bands is it's run by a church, and they did an Iron Maiden song. So I wonder how that went over with, like, what are they singing about? Is he lead singer? No, he's guitar player. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. the lead singer must be pretty good if you they can have a female, that hallowed. They have a female oh, really? lead singer that, nice. that kills it. She's phenomenal. Nice. So I can't wait to see the video when I get back. Well, next time I'm up uh, near you, I'll have to come see them rock out. Yeah, man. man. Yeah. Anytime. You, you were in Chicago. You asked advice for pizza. Right, right. You went to Gino's? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was right around the corner. I got to tell you the place to go to next time. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, All right, man. man. Thanks for doing this. Great to see you. Appreciate it. Good seeing you, man. Me, man. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Yeah. So how are you? I am doing fantastic, Jay. How are you doing? I'm good. We got Leilani Kilgore, return guest on The Hook Rocks, one of my favorite artist and it's emerging out of nashville right now and got to see her live last night at the east side bowl performing two songs which was just awesome thank you so what's going on you know just hanging at this convention a lot of a lot of people to see a lot of names to try to remember a lot of occupations to figure out via conversation it's great it's awesome now last night you played kind of a jam session do you do a lot of that stuff here in Nashville? Um, I, you know, I kind of don't. So Rare Hair is a staple of Nashville, and it's run by this guy, Tyson Leslie, who is a an absolute saint when it comes to 
uh, organizing these things. He's also one of the most talented people I know. Um, but I don't, you know, I'll do them every once in a while. It's kind of an invite-only situation for these things. Um, and typically what you'll do is you'll get assigned a song and you get up on stage with people you've never met before and play anywhere from one to two to four songs. And um, last night's uh, Rare Hair was dedicated to the Rock and Pot event. So I know it showcased a lot of the, the featured artists that were going to be here, uh, myself included. Um, I didn't realize that we were supposed to be doing like well-known covers. So I kind of went in and was the only person playing originals that probably nobody had heard before. But, You're a trendsetter. Uh, You're a trendsetter. Then, exactly. There yeah. we go. I'm really I'm tapping into my rebellious side here. So I saw you live in January open up for Buddy Guy at Legends. Yes. And I had seen Buddy years ago, probably 25 years ago. I saw him at his club at Legends. It looks completely different now than it did before. And he announced his farewell, and uh, I was like, I got to see him you know, before he rides off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. And I told my nephew, who I said, you don't know who Buddy Guy is, but you need to. You know, And he loved it. You opened up. You were awesome. You were fantastic. Thank you. What's that experience like? I know you played with Buddy before. But yep. You know, to, to play with the last remaining Chicago Blues great. It's one of the, one of like Jimmy Page referred to as the greatest guitar player of all time. Mm-hmm. What's that like for you? Um, I mean, so every time that I've played with Buddy, because it, it's been, we did the opening, the opening slot last year as well. Mm-hmm. And then I did actually end up sitting with him last year. Um, this, this year that didn't happen. I think he had, I mean, it's Buddy Guy. He's got like, you know, he knows every person worth knowing who's ever walked the earth. So yeah. it's, it's a blessing to even get the opportunity to play with him. Um, but every time we do an opening slot, uh, I, I really feel a lot of pressure for that gig because it's important to me that we cater to the audience. We don't stick out, um, you know, as far as genre is concerned, since my music does kind of fluctuate between hard rock and blues. And uh, and just make sure that we're putting on a good show and, re- you know, being respectful of the person that we're opening for. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to be a subpar opener for him. I want to make sure the room is warmed up. It's really important to me. And it's also a huge honor. Uh, this year was a particularly weird year just because um, I don't think it, I, hopefully nobody noticed, but I actually had gear issues the entire night and uh, everything was off. My tone was off. Uh, I, I had accidentally triggered a pedal that has no indicator light and my entire set sounded like I was trying to cut like a basement track of like a poison song, which is not exactly the tone no. you want in a blues club. But we pulled it off. I don't think anybody noticed. I think we got away with it. I just, unfortunately, I'm a little bitter about it just because I was so in my own head about trying to figure out why my my amp was sounding so distorted. I didn't really have time to, like, appreciate the moment as much this year as I have in past years. Um, But my own griping aside, anytime I get to play with Buddy or open for Buddy is always a huge honor because I'm very, very aware that his time with us is, is getting pretty limited at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That was the motivation to go see him. And I was looking up who was playing, and I saw you were opening up for him. I'm like, well, that's the show I'm going to go to. And it was great. I mean, he's And thank so- you for coming. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it was surreal in the sense that, you know, he announced that... Re- and I don't know if he's going to just stop touring, retiring from touring. He's still going to do shows at Buddy Guys. Who knows? We don't... I don't know if anybody really knows that. I think the rumor is he's going to keep, like, the residency shows going in, yeah. in his club. And he also, I mean, he just hangs out there and he'll just get up with anybody anyway. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, for being 80, I think he's 86 now yeah. or 87, yeah. to be doing road touring, I mean, it's so grueling. I don't think people realize typically what you do in a situation like that is you will finish your gig, you'll get back on the bus, you'll be on the bus for a couple of hours with, you know, bouncing around. You get up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, load into the hotel. Then you have to get up and head out to Soundcheck. And it's actually, it's really brutal. I mean, you don't get good sleep. 
you know, you're in different environments all the time, you can get sick. Um, for him to be doing it that at, at his age is, is incredible to me. So I think he's, he's you know, well-deserving of a break at this point. So I think he's scaling down to just the residencies, but, I, you know, don't take my word for it. I could just be making things up. The, the question I have, does he have a bottle of Crown Royal every night? It's Remy still- Martin XO. It is expensive, it, okay. and it is very good. Because, like, his guitar tech acts as his pourer. Correct. <laughs> in the coffee cup. <laughs> yeah, that's not coffee in the cup. <laughs> it's like multitasking. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, like, the grind of touring. Mm-hmm. And I had Tuck Smith on. He was the first guy I interviewed today. And we talked about how music has changed and there is that grind and how social media has really kind of changed the perspective of young people who want to perform and play. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that grind. They think it can just make a 30-second clip of video and get all these views and all these followers Right. And then, you know, a record label comes along and says, oh, you've got five million followers. We need to sign you and give you a record deal, mm-hmm. even though you haven't played any of your own music and written your own music. Exactly. It's, and, I, and I talked to him that he loves because I always get him fired up about TikTok. Um, it's, on one part, the record labels lack vision because they want a for sure thing now. Right. And they go after what's a proven commodity like followers and listens and views, whatever it is. And it's that American Idol voice mentality where you can just show up, sing, and then be on a show. Right. And make it. Where they don't understand what the grind is. There's artists like yourself. There's many new artists that are out there that are getting in a van, getting in a bus, mm-hmm. and they're grinding out every day, not at 100% because they maybe didn't get that much sleep or whatever the case is. Right. And that's really how it's done. I mean, rock and roll is meant to be to get your hands dirty. You have that grind, right? Absolutely. It's not meant to be artificial and plastic. There's an authenticity. Like, how do you, you know, with your career, it's emerging and beginning, got a lot of new singles out over the past year. How do you overcome that where, you know, you're playing your music, you're, you're growing your audience, audience organically, where you're not on TikTok trying to get 5 million followers. Mm-hmm. It's a little tough. Um, I mean, even my, my own uh, manager has, you know, they've had success with one of their other clients who was in college and just was just putting up TikToks of him singing his own songs, and he blew up, and I'm thrilled for him. But I think the problem is, you know, and you mentioned this, with, with people thinking they can just get away with playing 30 seconds in their bedroom, when you get on a live stage, and I've seen it happen so many times at this point, especially in Nashville, you get somebody who's used to just having the comfort of like their you know five watt amp on a low volume, playing with their like pedals, and it's fine. You get in a live setting, and it's like a killer be killed situation. I mean, you really have to know how to fit into a room and play with a band, and you have to know how to put on a show. You have to know how to write a set list. Um, it's tough because I, I understand the value of it. I do see it in my own career, but. Also, it doesn't always necessarily translate to ticket sales. So the way that I use my social media is I do try to build brand awareness and and artist awareness. But when we're playing a show out somewhere, for me, it's just a tool to get promotion in a in a localized setting. You know, if somebody's from a certain area that we're playing, I will make sure that we have advertisements running in that area. Um, but on the other side of things, I mean, I really don't waste too much of my time. Waste my time is a horrible way to put it. I don't spend too much of my time on it. Because I do think that for a long longevity in a career, you have to have that organic audience. You have to like hit markets repeatedly. You have to know your audience face to face. You have to be able to build connections with with towns and venues. And it's you know, I, I just it's and that that makes more sense to me. That's yeah. just what I that's what's what I grew up you know looking up to, looking up to the grind of driving eight hours you know to get somewhere and load in and set up and play the show and 
get back out and go to the next place. I think it's, you know, there's like a, a kind of a sad romanticism to it. And it is really tough, but it's also, you know, I think that it's, it speaks a lot more for someone's craft than just posting a video of them playing some, you know, a solo for 30 minutes. And I, and I do that too. I do post videos of, if I'm like goofing around, that's fine, but it's not, it's not the focus of my time and it's not how I want to build my career. It, it extends further than that, I think. I, I think the core is the social media platforms that promote these young people and they're, what they're doing. But it also, it also changes the audience expectations for people in that same age group. Because mm-hmm. now you have tracks, you've got backing vocals, you've got things that are recorded on an album that bands can't duplicate, so they track a lot of things. Right. And unfortunately, it's become accepting to audiences now, which from the generation that I'm from wants to hear the mistakes wants right. to hear the, the the live setting and how one show differs from the next like people ask me why I go see a band three four different times I've already seen them I'm like because it's a different show it's not the exactly. same show so that is missing too and I think a lot of it falls on the responsibility of the audience of not accepting that and wanting real music and wanting it to be played and appreciating it because I mean I've seen video clips of whoever artist pop artist whatever where the mic falls and the track is still playing and they're still singing and the audience when she picks up the mic start clapping and applauding like like what are you applauding for it's not ventriloquism <laughs> yeah like, what, like like you just paid 200 some dollars for a ticket and she obviously wasn't singing right and you find that acceptable I don't understand I have a lot more, you know, admiration for artists I see who are on a bigger scale, who do everything live, you know, and I understand the safety of running tracks, and sometimes you have a song that hits big and you have to have that element, we've talked about it in my own band, but for me, I, you know, some of my favorite shows are the ones where you're on the verge of falling apart somewhere in a song, and it just manages to come back together, or say you're really feeling the vibe of a room and you want to extend a solo section, or you know, just maybe drop it down, and like, if you have a track blasting in the background, you're not going to be able to play with dynamics that way um yeah i think it's i think it's kind of a a tricky situation but i also think that there is a part of general society that really longs for that very human aspect of a show you have to have that kind of like live energy and feeling and electricity if everything's running on a track i mean you're going to see the same thing over a hundred times it's just very safe yeah you know you mentioned about it could all fall apart at any moment there's this i'm i'm a led zeppelin bootleg collector and there's this performance at the L.A. Forum of Song Remains the Same. I think it's 77 or 75. And Bonham's playing. They start with it. And Bonham's going off like where no man has ever gone before. <laughs> and he's playing the drums. And you're like, he's this monster. Like, what? I don't even know what he's doing. And you're like, how is he going to come back in time for the break? Right. Like, how is he going to? How, because like, there's no way he's going to be able to make it back. And he finds a way to do it. And you're just looking, you're listening to it, you're like, like, uh, I don't even know what to say. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, if you have a chance, to, you can get it on YouTube, and it's it's posted on YouTube. It's 77, Song Remains the Same, they open. And I think that was a show where Keith Moon sat on the drum riser. Oh, I love and it. And they did shots of Jack while they were doing the show. <laughs> That's a great story in itself. But for, for like you talked about, like they could all fall apart. That's the beauty of it. Like, yeah. That is, that's what makes live music so awesome. Right. I mean, to be fair, like my band and I do spend, and as, as is any, any band who's touring, you know, you have to spend a certain amount of time rehearsing and it is important to have the safety net of those rehearsals because once you're comfortable in it, you don't have to spend your time on stage thinking about right. what part am I supposed to play here. You can play around with it a little bit more. You have that freedom. And I do believe in a well-crafted show. Um, but, you know, the song that we usually end our shows with is is 
it's meant to have dynamic and build. And there have definitely been times where our drummer has just gone off the deep end, kicked over the set, you know, just completely, totally just like off the rails, annihilated the stage. And yeah. that's cool. You know, that's great. But it's only because we, you know, we did the rehearsals. We have that freedom to kind of tweak, tweak things and just, you know, you know, just do something different tonight. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that everything should be very like, you know, on the nose and like just kind of um, unplanned. But there should be, there should be an element yeah. of just, you know, having, having some space to toy around with, with however the night's taking you. You mentioned about playing in a band with other people, knowing how to play with people. My son uh, is in a school rock band. And I think you know, he plays guitar. And I think the biggest thing he learned was how to play with other people on stage, mm -hmm. like where to where to you know play the note, how to play the note, how to how to step back, you know, the subtlety, let someone else shine for a moment. Mm -hmm. um, that's very important that's for huge. for any young person who wants to be in a band and, and create music. Is you can play it in your bedroom, like you said, but when you're on stage, when you got other people, four or five other people on stage with you, you've got to learn how to play. It's almost like being on a sports team or whatever, you know, passing the ball and all that stuff. And you need to learn how to do that. Right. It's not about you in that moment. It's about making sure that everybody's working together to create the best sound that they can for whoever's listening. You know, you can't have any ego in those situations. Yeah. Um, you really do have to work as a team and find your space. And it takes it takes practice and it takes learning, you know, and trial by fire. Yeah. It's, it's an important um, aspect of being a musician, I think, if you want to be playing live. You have to know how to do that. What's up for you this year? What's what's going on for uh, new music? And I know you just released a new single. Or you're going to be releasing a new single. We still got two more. We still got yeah. two more on the books. Um, the the thing that just takes longest in these situations, I think that you know, it's funny how how you start to like really get experience in the industry and realize <laughs> how much goes into everything. And for us, like our biggest issue right now is just making sure that we have album art on time. I have the worst ADD in the world. I am horrible with with doing my checklists here. So. Um, I'm already going off on a tangent. Perfect example. Um, but yeah, we have two more tracks, and we're, we're looking forward to releasing them. We just have to make sure we do the, we do the six-week uh, pre-release work. Um, they're really It's kind of a big deal to me, these next two tracks, because of the last two tracks I got to do with a bass player named Michael Rhodes, who just passed. And he was a huge influence to me. I was honored to get to work with him. And um, now that he's gone, these are this, this is the last music I have of, of, of us working together. So uh, I really want to make sure I do these tracks right when I release them and make sure that they get you know the attention they deserve and, and you know do the promotion for them. After that, we go back in the studio and we are we're going into uncharted territory this year. We're making our way over to uh, Texas and Florida and uh, everywhere in between and up north and building out our tour schedule as much as we can. So, yeah, just, just keeping it going. I mean, it's always just always having something to release, always working on new music and working on the set and just trying to vertically grow. That's exciting. I mean, you know, you mentioned about writing new material. I mean, I, I know you got to go here in a bit, but um, when you do, you mentioned about getting out of your own way, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of artists I've talked to talk about that, that lack of confidence when you're doing something new. Mm -hmm. How do you overcome that? Um, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, I've, I experience self-doubt constantly, especially when it comes to my writing or is this song really going to be the right you know, thing to really push right now? Um, but I think ultimately, if, if it means something to you and it's, it's important enough to you that you think that there is, there is a reason to put purpose behind it, then it's probably the right decision. And um, yeah, I, I just think that if you feel like it's an authentic thing that you're doing and you connect with it, then that's really all that matters. Well, Leilani, thank you again for the time. Thanks again for stopping by. Thanks and, for having uh, me. I absolutely appreciate it.
No, so, I appreciate you. Love your music and I can't wait for more. Thanks, Jay. All Good right. To see you guys. Thank you. Hang on. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to, I'm sorry and I'm late. I'm so rude. Let me just spit out my gun. I know one thing I definitely want to bring up. Thank you for having me, by the way. I really appreciate it when people ask me to be on. I love it. No, I, I look forward to it doing more. I've, Thank you. I've been wanting to have you on prior, and I'm glad it just aligned up today. So for those listening, it's Courtney Cronin Dold and the Hook Rocks podcast. Uh, the last interview for the Hook Rocks for the day. I am? Yes. All right. So I let off with Tuck Smith. And now oh, the grand nice. finale is is you. Um, I actually bought Tuck CD. That's the only merch I yeah. have right now. I haven't had time to go buy other stuff, but that's the first thing I bought. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's awesome. He's amazing. He's awesome. So we talked briefly yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And I guess my question, because I was at Creatures Fest. Uh-huh. And it was a life-altering weekend. That was amazing. It was. It was a good time. But was it a good time? Was it amazing? Did Zeus's stink bomb. Yeah change the course of that event. Okay. I did not know about the stink bomb until later because we get we were on a text chain and they wanted me to cuz I'd met them in person the first time on the Kiss cruise, but I'd done another podcast with Zeus and it was I'm from Boston, so there's like a connection. Yeah. You know. So um we've been on this text chain and then when we did the 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 recap, I forget how it happened, if he said it on the air or I forget. He go he texted me and he said, Did you hear about the per can I swear? Yeah. He goes, Did you hear about the person who shit in the elevator? <laughs> and I said, No. And he goes, Ask that three sides girl. I mean Lisa Martini. So I text Lisa. <laughs> no, that's a lie. I text Craig Gas and I said, Did you hear about someone who shit in the elevator? And he goes, No, what happened? And he loves some gossip. He loves him some gossip. And he goes, no, what happened? And I said, uh, I don't know, but I guess Lisa Martini was in there when it happened. And I go, and I don't want to, like, just text her and be like, hi, Lisa, did someone shit in the elevator? Like, And he goes, oh, I'll text her. I've been texting with her. So he texted her to ask her, and then she's like, yes, someone shit in the elevator. And it was, like, so disgusting. And then um, I forget what happened, but it just went away. Then finally Zeus told me the truth about what happened. I think it was on their show, and it, that he let a stink bomb in the elevator, and they had to like section it off and close it down. They had police tape around it. They had tape around yeah. it, Caution and I'm like, tape. oh my god! So uh, Lisa just did their show, <laughs> and they told her the truth finally. But she's such a good sport. She thought it was so funny. You know what the funny thing about that whole scenario? Yeah. Is? I can imagine Tom and Zeus talking about flying to Creatures Fest. Yeah. And Zeus saying, no, I got to bring a can of Stink Bomb with me, and they won't let me on the flight with this can. So they spent more money probably in gas and time in a car because because of the aerosol Stink Bomb can. Oh, God. No, they did fly. They I thought they drove. No, they, they flew. How did they get the Unless they bought it here locally. I think it's like a pump spray. And he okay. got it at um, on Amazon. Wow. And it's literally called Ass Spray. And then I don't even want to say where else he did it because he might not be invited back. But he just loves, I mean, everybody loves toilet humor. But yes. Zeus really likes toilet humor. Like, <laughs> I, remember, I remember when he told me at Creatures Fest, he comes up to me and he's laughing. And he can't, 
You know when someone's laughing, they can't like finish a sentence. Yes. And he's trying that's to tell me. That's what he does. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying. I'm, I'm like Zeus. What's wrong with you? He's like, no. He's like telling me. He's like, shit in the elevator and spray. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're telling me right now. Yeah, I I was like trying to keep that under wraps because I didn't want him to get in trouble. But it's a little far along now. Yeah. Yeah. You know that he won't Statue get any of limitations trouble. Have, have, I think it's I think yes. it's up on fart yes. spray and elevators. Yes. But um, just the people that he grossed out are like all people I know that he's like, and this person got in, and this person got in, and I'm like, oh my god, I feel so bad for them because that aspirate is nasty. It's yes. gross. Yes. Do you think that affected Vinnie Vincent's performance? Do you think he was in the <laughs> elevator and got overcome by the shit smell, and yeah. why he was playing to an empty audience for the first 20 minutes of his that, How weird was that? I don't know. See, more weird that he played... The whole scenario is the strangest thing I've ever encountered at a, it, it at a, was at a show. It was odd, yeah. So he's... So we're waiting, right? That They changed the times. So right. So Tuck Smith plays into that. He was playing that night at 3rd and Lindsay, I want to say, which is the place here Yeah, because we were going to try and go. That's what yeah. I was going to do. I was going to go see him and then Uber back and see Vinnie Vincent. Mm-hmm. And then they sent the email... It said he's playing at 7 or 7.30. I'm like, oh, well, that wipes out the Tux show. So we go in, and we're waiting, and everyone's waiting there. We're all staring at each other, like, what's going on? And then we hear, like, this guitar playing through the walls. And it's going on for, like, 20 minutes. And Zeus has got his cell phone camera up to the keyhole. And then all of a sudden, the doors open up after, like, 20, 25 minutes. And we're just let in. And he doesn't even acknowledge the crowd. We're just walking in as he's playing this guitar solo and doesn't say anything. He's like, hey, welcome to Creatures Fest. I'm yeah. gonna, you know, well, you know, glad to be back. He's just playing like this nonsensical solo, like with no like So weird. Well, do you know that I was on stage when that happened? We had, Craig and I had a show that night and I he left me on stage so he could drive back with uh, Brandon Fields. Got the, in his minivan, threw Craig in the van. They drove back because they wanted to see the beginning of Vinnie Vincent, and I literally had to just keep going until they got back. And I didn't know when that was going to be, so I was just left on stage there, and I was so wow. mad. I'm like, "Are you seriously going to leave?" He's like, "You're fine. You'll be fine." So like, I had to just keep going, and then they did come back pretty quickly, but. They drove back to see Vinny and then came back to the show. I was about to introduce him, but I had to wait for him to walk in the door because they had to see it. So he's standing on top of this tank. Tank, yeah. Um, on top of the turret, which <laughs> is weird in itself because the turret obviously extends out. Maybe he was trying to compensate for something. Oh, it's um, weird. And then the drum... There's no drummer up there. No drummer. And you hear drums. You do. And you're kind of trying, is it behind the There tank? was a drummer, you know. Was the, a tr- there was one. And then they were no longer. I didn't know that. Yes. How long did that go down before? I'm not really totally sure, but... Uh, did, he, did he audition the drum tracks, or was he just? did he just pick one? <laughs> the drum tracks' um, father, uh, just nepotism. Had uh, influence. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay. He's the, like the mayor of Nashville. the drum tracks are Vinny's yeah. hairdresser, the father. Really? I just messed that up. I thought yeah. it, I thought I thought it was like his his tailor for his pantsuits. But oh, the pantsuits! Did Craig do his pantsuits joke? No. I no. Oh, okay. Um, he says Vinny has the best pantsuits. Um, yeah, it was weird. And like here, I'll give you like a little inside scoop on that whole thing that, that someone told me that I have not said at all. But at this point, you can't tell who told me. So. 
backstage, they were backstage before the thing and said no one knew that Vinny was going to walk up on top of the tank like that. Ace and Bruce did not know. Mm -hmm. So he walks up there and no one knew he was doing the onk makeup either. So, and no one knew about the thing. I mean, he kept it all under wraps. Like it was weird. Yeah. So he goes up and this person told me that they're just kind of looking and all of a sudden Vinny just turns around and was like sweating and like the onk makeup was like sweating off and he just turned around and looked like, looked at this person like with the scariest look. And they were like, oh my God, what what's happening? Like it was just... It was a thing of horrors. It really was. It was just odd. And you know what the bummer is? Is that people really wanted to meet Vinny. Like people want the experience. They're glad Vinny came back out. You know, yeah. he was in hiding for very long. Clearly he has like a social anxiety and is, you know, probably mentally right. ill. And you have to respect that and hope that he's getting help and all those things that, you Correct. know, that a normal human being wants to feel to a human. Then you hear that he's canceling things and screwing people out of this and charging $2,000. He's been doing that for years. To sign a baseball. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God. And then you listen to Slaughter's first album and you listen to the lyrics to Burning Bridges. Mm -hmm. And you're like, whoa. He's yeah. really done some serious shit. Yeah. The Paul Stanley story where he was getting replica guitars that he used in the Lick It Up video yeah. and selling them as authentically used guitars, that was one of the reasons why they, they kicked him out. Well, he his box set never showed up. People yeah. were still waiting for it. And people paid money for that. They did. My friend Earl paid twice, and he said he actually got something in the mail, and it had no tapes in it. There was no music. Like It was just a box? Yes. A box set. Well, it is a box set. It was basically a box set. It was yeah. just an empty box. Yeah. It had, he said it had spaces for cassettes, but the cassettes weren't in it. So you could put them in when he does release Eventually. Them. Yes. I guess. It's, it's called planning. It is. It's so weird. You know, poor Vinny, I feel bad, but like an actual member of KISS said to me, and I won't say who, like, I heard you do Vinny Vincent jokes. It's okay. He's kind of asking for it. <laughs> Someone in KISS said that to me. So, um... Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the guy because people want to see him and want to see him play. But, you know, yeah. just, I mean, I don't know why he just doesn't want to deliver he, It would have went so far for him with fans if he would have came out and done a good show. Like, none of the weirdness. Just come out and play. Yeah. But, like, he could have won back a lot of people. People, I went because I knew it was going to be a train wreck. And I wanted to see the actual live. That's what live people wanted yeah, to see. Yeah. Wanted to see the live train wreck because you walk in and there's like this man on top of a fake tent tank playing guitar. It looked. It just was like this is like an eighties horror movie. It was weird, yeah. and you know Bruce Kulick, thank God for him, kind of yeah. carried some of that. And I get and Bruce told me that Ace was even like, "What? What's? I can't play with a drum machine. Like, I need a drummer. Like, this is." You know, it's just weird. Yeah. It's just weird. It's so odd for them. Those guys never played with a drum machine. That was probably the first time for both of them. And they used the drum. Didn't they use the drum track from Creatures of the Night? I don't even know. I was. I wasn't there. I was on stage. And so everything I know is secondhand. Okay. Everything I know is secondhand, um, and just from being around other Kiss people and what they told me. And I saw the video. Someone did get a video. Yeah, I was filming, and they shined a flashlight in my eyes. Stephen, um, you know, Stephen from, um, um, oh my God, what's wrong with me? From uh, Grown Up Rock? Thank you, yeah. Grown Up Rock. Someone slapped his phone out of his hands. Slapped yeah. it out of his hands. I'm like, whoa. There was no sign that said you couldn't film anywhere. Well, because I'm sure that Vinny told them that 
three late, seconds yeah. before, and that's probably yeah. why the doors hadn't opened yet. Because, I, I mean, I think he was so high maintenance and so difficult, you know? Like, sorry, but we should all be grateful to be working. This business is hard, you know? And I'm not comparing myself to a musician, you know, who was a rock star, who was played in, you know, two monster bands, you know, and done all the written hit songs. I'm not that. But we should all be grateful to be still working and that, that we're able to do this, you know? Because yeah. it's hard to keep moving. It's hard to keep it going. It is. You know, and that's kind of like the amazing thing about KISS is they had their top of the mountain moment, you know, it's from 76 to 79, basically. Right. Maybe 75 to 79. And then they faltered and made some bad, poor decisions. And then they never got back to that, that height that they had. But they were pretty relevant again. They're that's still very, relevant. Yeah. Everyone knows who I mean but when that, I yeah, say KISS. They that, know exactly who I mean. because there's a, yeah. The music business is known for just discarding people. They are. And never hearing from them again. That's right. you got to reinvent yourself over yeah. and over and over and over again. Yeah. It was just a, it was a surreal weekend. Um, I never I never knew KISS had that many shirts. <laughs> that, I'm wearing one now. But just like my favorite one, and I was just telling the story, there was a guy in a golf shirt. That had a golf shirt, love gun shirt, which I never knew was possible. And That's he had, funny. He had leather pants. Yeah. And he had the Paul Stanley platform boots on. Oh, I love it. I'm it's like, great. He made, he, he made that decision to, yeah. to leave the house that day. He did. <laughs> You know, and that's what I love about KISS fans. It's like, great. you just come one, come all. You're, we're yeah. all accepting. I know Tom and Zeus have their opinions about some of the KISS oh, yeah. fans. Oh, yeah. We're not going to use that word, fellas. But, uh, but it's funny because some of the bands, they listen to them. I keep telling them. I go, guys, so-and-so just listened to your show. And you said that. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. yes. So just be careful what you say about so-and-so. Yeah. You know, yeah. so because um, they listen, and then here we are at Bruce Kulick's roast on New Year's Eve, and Brent Fitz said "kiss hard." <laughs> Brent Fitz was quoting them, and I'm like, "Oh my God, this is too funny!" So you know, you never know who's listening. A lot. No, you don't. You no. really don't. So it's like, you know, we should all be kind anyway. But Vinny's not listening. Vinny's not listening. I just, I just, I feel bad for the guy. I just hope he gets some help. You know, just to figure things out and just, yeah. like, stop taking advantage grotesquely of the fans. It's grotesque. It's almost it, like self-sabotage. Well, I mean, Kiss kind of does it, too, but yeah. Kiss has given us something back. Yeah, yeah. You know, Vinny's standing on a tank, melting makeup and playing... In a pantsuit. Right. Yeah. It's so weird. And, like, I've been doing a joke, like, just to this crowd where I, I talk about, like, loving Paul Stanley. And, and there's Tyson Leslie and um, the king of rare hair. And he can play every single instrument. He's like the most amazing musician. The flutophone too. Do, do you know who he is? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, he's amazing. He's my favorite. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, oh, you were there last night. You know yeah. Tyson. Okay. So um, I, the joke is that I love Paul Stanley, and sometimes when my husband and I have sex, I pretend he's Paul Stanley, but that's okay because he likes to pretend that I'm Vinnie Vincent. <laughs> and then I used to have this different tag, but now I say because he likes to do it with the lights on, standing on a tank. <laughs> and so I did that joke the other night, and. The only people that got it were Matt and Bobby from Kiss Room, and then Ryan and Jeremy from Aces Band were there, Yeah. and, and Brandon Cook from Black and Blue. They're the only people in the room that got the joke, and I didn't care. I told it anyway. <laughs> that is awesome. Because I, I remember getting 
Vinny's autograph when the debut Vinnie Vincent Invasion album came out at Rolling Stone Records in Chicago. Yeah. I made my mother take me. I was like 11. Yeah. And he walked out in full makeup, like like the old video, old Slaughter videos. Yeah. And, and my mom's like, is is he, is, is I didn't know he, she was a woman. I go, no, that's, that's Vinnie Vincent. Yeah. Vinnie. She's like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, so... Um, Vinny's got an interesting he's a great musician and yeah. I really wish he would do the right thing and, and make music and, and win back the fans but I don't know if that's possible at this point because people have become very unforgiving in this generation they do and because look what we do we travel we spend our hard earned money we show up to everything we're there we're there for you Yeah. you know so you gotta be there for us you know like that's what I feel about hi Kelly that's what I feel about. <laughs> Yay, she's a big Kiss fan. Yeah. And um, we met on the Kiss cruise. And um, like, if you if you if you work hard and you give something back, like you know, that's what I do with my comedy. Like, if I'm doing a Kiss event, I'm gonna have Kiss jokes. I'm gonna have new ones next time I see you. You know, and like for Monsters of Rock, I have to have a whole new set this year, and I'm gonna work on that. Not like people care about me. I'm nobody, but I work my butt off to sure. give that back. Yeah, I mean, you're I gonna pay to come to my show. I'm gonna give you something. I do the same thing with the podcast. I have no illusions. My, I have, I'm a very small piece and a very small piece. Well, you had me on, Jay. So I think you lost a lot of listeners right now. If you people, if you're about to shut it off, please come back. I apologize. Anyway, <laughs> no, but it, it, but but there is work because you love to do what you do. I do. And however many people are listening, yeah. you want to do the best by them yeah. and, and put out the best content. You do. I yeah. mean, it's only fair. Like, yeah. you can't just phone it in. No. You can't. Like, we had this kid the other night on our show, and oh my God, we'll never work with him again. It was awful. He just he just did not know the audience. He just didn't even bother to look at them and figure out where he was, take the temperature of the room, look yeah. around, feel it out. He didn't even do that. He just walked up and blurted whatever he wanted out of and 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 race, racist things came out like very racist where he lost the whole audience and it was really terrible and it was just painful and terrible and I'm like I, how is this happening? Yeah. If you've been doing comedy for more than 2 years, you should at least know better. Well, if you go into comedy But he's obviously racist. Well, so yeah. we can't stop that from happening cuz well, that, that's you can't he obviously not going to change that, but Take the temperature, man. You gotta look. You gotta know your crowd. You know, we hear a lot about comedy and about being the last. Some a lot of comedians say that comics are the last soldiers in the war on freedom of speech. Yeah, we are. How do you feel about like the criticisms for jokes that you know jokes cross the line? I, you know, I, I come from a generation where you know you hear a lot of things. So I think we're built a little different. You know, people that that come from. You know, yeah. When we grow up, you know, you hear those things, it's kind of normal. Yeah. And I just, I don't understand, there's always, like George Carlin, the great comic, said, if you don't like something, turn it down or turn it off. Turn it off. Yeah. You know, I think what is not our friend are cell phones and people yeah. filming things, because what I, like, I was saying at Cruise Fest, what I'm saying in this room, what we're saying in this room, does not translate outside of this room. Yeah. It, it won't. So you can't... You know, I, we always tell people no filming at comedy shows, yeah. you know, because it also messes up people's timing. And comedians, they see a phone, oh my God, it's like you're pointing a gun at us. It really is terrifying. So um, I think that uh, 
it's really the younger people who seem to be getting the most offense, offense yeah. offended. Um, when there's an older crowd, like last night, I made a pedophile joke on rare hair on stage, and I could tell I offended some people. But that's okay. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. It's true, you know, like what I said. I mean, I don't know if you heard the joke, but no. Don said I was wearing like a black sequin jacket. It looked yes. like it looked like Michael Jackson's Billy like Jean solid jacket. Solid gold dancer. Yeah, like yeah. a solid gold dancer without the thong. And Don goes, and we kind of planned this before, but Don's like, look at Courtney's jacket. It's so sparkly. She's probably blinding people. I did hear that. Okay, I did hear that. In yeah. the front row, and I said, I know. I look like the mother of one of Michael Jackson's victims, and I stole this from his closet. And people were like, whoa. People were like, wah! Brandon Cook from Black and Blue, are you leaving? Yes, I have to run. Oh. Sorry to interrupt, guys. Oh, this is my friend. No He's worries. He's so great. He's so talented. You got to check out his band, The Loyal Order. Look up The Loyal Order. It's so good. She's amazing. It's so good. I love you. So good hanging out with you. Have a good flight. Yeah. Okay. You too. Bye. There I've, been, is a- I've been driving around Brandon all weekend. I'm so glad he's gone. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank God he's gone. No, no. He's my good friend. There's a YouTube channel mm-hmm. um, that has two hosts of the show. They sit behind, like, a, a news desk. And all it is is critiquing and, and commenting how bad Dave Chappelle's stand-up is. Oh, my God. So they waste Who the- are these people? Yes. It's like, it's like you, you are watching and you're it's a genius. putting out content and complaining about it. Like, this is offensive. This isn't funny. Uh, Some of it's offensive, yeah. But that's okay, though. But that's okay. That's, yeah. that's, his, that's his point of view. That's his opinion. Yeah. And you can disagree with it and not agree yeah. and be against that, and that's okay. And then you just don't go to Dave Chappelle's shows and you don't listen to Dave Chappelle. You know, there's some people that bug me that I don't listen to. They really bug me. And, uh, you know, and I, it takes a lot to offend me, a lot, because yeah. I've been in comedy a long time, and I've heard a lot and seen a lot, and I was a young woman in comedy, so lots of crazy shit happened to me back in the day, you know, like all this stuff coming out about, you know, all these people in Hollywood, I can't even tell you what's happened in comedy. We still are waiting for that to go down. It still hasn't. I always, you know, the whole... Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. I, I like anything. I think in the beginning that the intentions were they were good. Were good for people yeah. that are in a position of power, right. impacting you know people's lives. Right. But then it became well. He was married and he leaned in for a kiss. You know, it, it's he, like okay, yeah, we're getting a little off the off the trail here. Yeah. Like, look, if you've never been, I mean, not to get so deep, but if you don't have real trauma and you've never been traumatized and nothing really has ever happened to you. Then you're bothered by something like that. Yeah. Then you're going to make a big screaming deal about that. If things have actually happened to you, you know, you know when to go, dude, get the fuck, get away from me. That's not a, I'm going to go on Twitter and tweet about this. Right. Get away from me, you know. Then it's, a, it's, it's over. Yeah. If they continue, it keeps going. If they text you, if they call you, if they become a stalker. If it, not, I'm not saying it has to get that far, but, like, there's a certain level of that. And I think a lot of women are going to hate me for saying this. But let's be honest, no women listen to your show, Jay. So, <laughs> let... <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, they um, don't. They really don't. No, no, yeah. but, but you know, uh, the, the women in our world, this world is small. There's, it's a small... It's just there's more men in this world. There just are in the, in the, in the podcast rock world. But, you know, I think they might get mad at me for that. But, man, did I put up with a lot of shit as a young female comic? I put up with a lot, you know. And I had no idea that I could have said something I had 
no idea. I wish you I could have had a book deal. Man, you could have been on Oprah. I could have had my own show. Yes. I, I could have two houses right now. I had no idea that I could get on that. But I'm not litigious. I'm not vindictive. I don't look for revenge. And I have friends like that that do do that. And it's like, you know, there's a way to handle it yourself. And then, then there's a way to go to the principal's office. And when you need to go to the principal's office, you better go. Because you need to go to save other people from yeah. having to deal yeah. with that. And that's really the only time I've ever really spoken out and put my foot down and helped somebody with a case against someone because that person was yeah. very terrible to me as well. Very terrible to the level that I wanted to help this person. Like when you yeah. hear of a story of a, of a man with a button on the bottom of his desk that locks the door. I mean, that is so that sick. Is, that is crossing so many lines. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, you know, I grew up in an Irish-Italian family, so not much offends me either. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I was... <laughs> Irish-Portuguese right here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like Irish in general. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're hearing the F word when you're three years old. Yeah. You're using the F word when you're four. Yeah. Basically. It's actually completely fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, it's so weird that that came up. But, uh, in fact, speaking of, like, Me Too, we're going to be watching Kiss Exposed tomorrow. <laughs> and if that would never fly today... Oh my God! So I, mean, I mean, never. That's the amazing thing, like, like when you think of Gene. Oh Lord! Like, I'm surprised. That's why. I, how do I phrase this? That's why I think a lot of like the stuff about him is all image, because yeah. I mean, if he truly has slept with thousands of women, either he's got a you know a bank account that helps pay these women off, or you, you yeah. know what? I'll tell you. There's a maturity level of women who want to go and hook up with a with a rock star. Because I'm friends with a lot of women that do that. Yeah. I just never, I never did that. That was never my thing, you know. And um, but they are just cool with it. They're I was cool. never. I was never a rock star to experience that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're just like, all right, I, I hooked up with the lead singer of this, and I've slept with the bass player of this, and they're just like, that was awesome. Let's go to their concert, you know? And it's just like there's a mutual understanding there of the, you know, of the kind of people that are just cool with, yeah. like, what's actually happening. They know what's going on, you know? I mean, I have a friend who had an affair with Gene Simmons. She's a comedian and a, and a filmmaker, and we were at a party, and she's like, I know you're a big Kiss fan, you know, I was a and I'm Gene Simmons, and I'm like, really? And, it, like, it was a few times. It wasn't just the one time. And she goes, he gave me all this Kiss stuff, and I don't want it. Do you want it? And she's like... <laughs> she gave it to me. Because that's what all women want after... Having sex with I'm a like, rock star. I'm like, thank you for fucking, fucking Gene Simmons a, a so I can get basket. this gumball machine. Thank you so much. No. What was in the gift basket? Um, there was uh, the gumball, the, the yeah. little gumball machine. There was um, just some shirts, and then there was like a deck of cards. And <sighs> Imagine creating that basket for women that you've slept with. She has more stuff, too. Yeah. She only had a little bit. But imagine like... like Going over this, like, okay, what do I put in this gift bag? Exactly. Like, the gumball machine? Okay. No, that's, that's you know, I don't want to give the uh, the Kiss uh, hair gel. Yeah. You know, you know, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. I don't know. But, like, how do you, like, you're thinking of that, that, that you're planning that you're going to give this to women that you slept with. It's like a gift. Like, this is what they want. Yeah. They don't want, like, a Gucci purse or, like, or anything <laughs> like that. They want a Kiss Gumball he gave machine. her a bunch of kiss stuff that you know he just walked around his kiss, his kiss room and just picked it and you know yeah. did this 
you know, and then the, thank you for the sex. Here you go. Like it's like it's like Derek Jeter on the Yankees having a gift basket that included autographed baseballs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, no, they actually could sell. That would be worth something. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I ever dated anyone kind of famous, if they ever gave me anything or. Uh, no, no, not really. No. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I know Sonny Pooney gives out great gift bags. Sonny gave me a monkey's artifact, basically, of like an old van. I mean, I didn't sleep with Sonny, but as, <laughs> as like a friend gift. Um, no, we're both, we both married, married a long time. And he, uh, it was really cool, like these little like like dolls of the monkeys and like a monkeys like minivan because I'm a big monkeys fan. When you said when you first said the monkeys, I'm thinking of a zoo monkey. No. And then I'm like, oh, the band. K E E S. Yes, yes. I clarify. Thank you for clarifying. Because like for a while, I went down I'm like, <laughs> what's he doing with an artifact of, of a monkey? Oh yeah, no. Pretty crazy. It's like one of those plastic melt things you get at the zoo. Yeah. You know, of, a, of like a gorilla or something like that, or like a monkey. It was like, what do they call those things? Those wax, um, they make like a, a wax um, mold. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A wax mold. Hang on, I'm just making sure of something. Yeah, it's uh, very odd that they do. I knew it. I knew it. Um Okay, we're fine. I just sorry, I interrupted your show for a moment to explain because this is what happens. Every all the guys they text me, where where do I go? Where is this? Where is this? I'm like, I don't know. There's 400 volunteers here. Ask them. Yeah. yeah. Why are you asking me? Like, it's like, where do I go? Where do I do this? I mean, it's just so funny. Um, anyway. Well, Courtney, <laughs> it's been a blast. Thanks for doing the show. Yeah. Um, I want to have. Thanks you on for, for having a while. me on. Unlike Cobras and Fire. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Those guys, but, you know, I mean. Yeah. She's a bit of a diva. No. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, that's fine. Hijack it all you want. People have already tuned out. I've been talking for more than 10 minutes. People have already tuned out. Yeah, it's okay. Well, hey, I, I appreciate yeah. Oh, good. That's good because all, all your female listeners are listening. Then all four of them. That's great. I got six. Your your, your got wives, six. Yeah. your wives, and their friends. <laughs> again, they love to shit on me. Again, thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you do it again. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciate the conversation. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. No, this was great. Thanks for coming last night too. Thank this you. You were great. Thank you. Everyone, that's yes. Please. Now these stickers are screwed up. They're supposed to be five by fives, and now they're two by twos. Oops. So these are kind of like the hook rocks. I voted for the hook rock stickers. You know, how yeah. people when they take part in democracy. Oh, put, okay. So this is kind of the size. So give people who you are know, listening. I'll, I'll take two, and I'll yes. use them as tassels. I'm kidding. I'm going to take one. I'm going to take one and put it on my sweatshirt right now, next to my Tuck Smith button. Nice. And and then I'm going to take this one home and put it on my rock and pod. Collectors. Put it on the refrigerator. Okay. All right. Thanks again, everyone. That's Courtney Cronin Dold. And uh, thanks again for stopping by. Where can they find you? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you can find me on Twitter. No, I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Facebook and on Instagram. Just Courtney Cronin Dold on Facebook. But if you add me, send me a message so I know you're a real person because I would love to make, make new friends and meet people. But I keep getting all these, you know, like. Uh, it's just weird. I'm getting yeah. a lot of robot stuff and a lot of, hello, beautiful lady. I would like to pay you to be my, my, my sugar baby. I'm like, oh, this is well, not How much real. are they going to give you? 
Well, my husband said it was okay if it's like over 10 grand, you know, if it's 10 grand, you know, a, a week, then he's fine with it. I, I would be too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who, what guy wouldn't? He, you don't have to work anymore. Oh my God. He would yeah. be thrilled. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. You don't, you don't, you don't like my board, dude? It looks like you dug it out of a dumpster somewhere behind the, uh, the, uh, fairgrounds here. <laughs> I haven't used this board in two years because I do everything by Zoom now, but yeah. It is a little funky. It, it is, but Zoom, that stuff makes the recording and editing a lot easier, though. Yeah. Yeah, this, because you got to move it. And I get to see your good-looking face. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, I shaved for you, dude. <laughs> look, you look great. I shaved both places for you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate a nice... <laughs> I trimmed. I, I manscaped. What are we doing here? It's Jason from All Things Blues and Southern Rock. Here at Rock and Pod, the festivities of rock and pod i don't know what i'm more impressed with at this convention the fact that people still own the same clothes that they did in 1988 or the fact that people actually went out and bought these clothes and these clothes still exist are they the yes i think i think it's the latter i think they there's new ones and there's this niche market and i think we're seeing it yeah i mean the my favorite is the zebra print pants, the tight pants with the pink boots and the pink leather jacket. So deep in the heart of COVID when things were dark and scary. Deep in the heart. Like a, that's a, that's <laughs> a Waylon Jennings song. I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to write that for my band. Yeah, you can make millions. Um, I bought a pair of Zubaz pants for me and my band members off of Amazon. Amazon has a Zubaz store, so everybody got their own they color. They still sell that? Hell yeah, they do. Amazon has a Zubaz store. So my friend who's a major Cincinnati Bengals fan, he got the black and orange I've got the traditional black and white, like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. they got them. Like that company's still making money and functioning. At least for me. I've never seen anybody wear any Zubaz since like 1992. I'm not allowed to wear them outside of my home because my wife would kill me, but I have them. I do wear them around the house and occasionally do a podcast. It's it's what happens when you consider it lingerie, (laughs) you know? I mean, your wife doesn't want the other women in the neighborhood to see you Uh, in those pants because your marriage would be over at that point. (laughs) It was over for a lot of reasons before if I wear those out in public. Seriously, that's a big no-no. You don't wear your lingerie no-no. out in public and, the, you know, walking the dog. Is know? this your first rockin' pod? Yes. What do you think? Other than the, the fashion. It's um, it's a good time. Interesting. Yeah. It's Interesting. In, yeah. 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 Uh, my second, and the one thing that... I, that's good about this is the scheduled interviews are fine. It doesn't always fit necessarily what you want to do, but it's always interesting. It's the random people that you run into that you don't plan on talking to that you meet or you do talking to. And yeah. I think that's, that's what I like. Like I ran in Tom Zutat, who I, I, to, I told you that's about amazing, that. man. Right. That is awesome. Good for you. And he, no idea. He just came up and said, Hey, that's cool. Like, I like the music. I like the design. And like, I'm like, introduce myself. And he's like, Hey, I'm Tom, Tom Zutat. And I'm like, I know you from somewhere. He's like, give a second. And like, fucking guy who worked for Electron Geffen, who signed Guns N' Roses, um, Motley Crue, and all these other bands. And like, holy crap, that guy's just like nonchalant coming up to talk to me. So that's amazing. That's what I like. It also has to do a lot with like where you're at. We're in Nashville. Yeah. So, you know, this is where everybody lives in the music business, pretty much. It is. So, how many people have you had on your podcast that you've seen or talked to from around here? Like previously, before? Yeah. Well, I mean, Leilani, Ace Von Johnson. Um, Tuck. Tuck. Yeah. Um, Don Jameson. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's nice to finally have a chat offline and just kind of shoot the shit. They're a real three-dimensional yeah. human being. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tuck, dude, totally awesome, dude. Yeah. Ace is one of the nice. nicest guys. Yeah. Don's great. Um, yeah, it's nice to you know to to talk with them and not a, you know not with being in interview mode. Yeah, yeah, you know like I mean? yeah. There's no, we're just chatting like regular people. And yeah. it, and the cool thing is though, when you do have when you interview people on your podcast. And you develop a little of the familiarity with them. When you do meet them in person, it's not so awkward. Like, you grabbed me in the parking lot yesterday, and I was like, oh, shit, hey, Jay. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we've only seen each other on a flat screen, but you at least had some sort of relationship or experience where it's not super weird. That's the When you grabbed my ass, that was weird, though. Yeah, especially, you know, with her having dementia. That's <laughs> a little... That's a little... Uh, hey, hey, you know? Your eyesight's coming back. It is. It is. Um... I think that's the great thing about this is getting to know people in the podcast community, you know. Oh, and all great people here, too. Yeah. I mean, friendly people, nice people, people that want to talk music. People that um, want to talk strippers, I found out. Really? The What's Hot in, in Strip Clubs podcast. Yes, they're right there. I mean, come on, man. Like, what else do you need? I haven't been in one of those places in a strip club in, like, I don't know, God. But... I haven't either. So I don't know what, but that's a good gauge. I don't know what's hot. Yeah, I don't know what's hot in the strip club right now. Now we're going to know. Yeah. We don't go, but how else are we going to know now? I mean, I know herpes is probably still hot in the strip club. (laughs) Gonorrhea, syphilis. What are all those viral based STDs? Yes, yes, yes. Those are still very prevalent and hot in the strip club. I I bet you there's an episode on that. Mm. I'm going to have to look through the library. Yeah, yeah. They have like, you know, and then obviously, you know, HPV. They probably have the whole gamut. If I were them, I would have like a doctor on and like. This is what you need to take for this. And here's a here's a poster yes, that shows the treatments, the all that stuff, side effects. I, I'm never going to get invited back probably ever again. And you and I together are a very bad combination, <laughs> or very good. Right. The, the the title of the episode is when your dick starts itching seven days after you've been to a strip club. <laughs> Well, the best part is you've got your 21-year-old nephew yes, here. Yes. He needs to know this. He this needs to. A young man, to. he doesn't want to learn this on his own. He wants no, to hear about it. He doesn't want to learn it when no. it's too late. He doesn't want to learn like how we had to learn about it. Yeah. Like when you have your friend going. Like I still remember this moment. Um, one of my roommates, old roommates, got crabs. And instead of him going to the doctor and getting a special shampoo, he shaved himself. Oh, God, Lord. And he started to get ingrown hairs, and the crabs were still there. And I still remember him on the phone in his bedroom, and this is like a 22-year-old guy at the point, weeping, telling his mother that, A, he has crabs, B, he shaved his (laughs) balls, and he's got ingrown hairs, and he needs his mother's help. (laughs) When you're a mom and your 22-year-old son calls you, you realize at that moment you failed as a parent. So everybody has this one friend. I did. And so this is where this wraps into your story. We, we had one friend that had, we'll say, experiences with different rashes and, and, and infections. If you thought you had anything, you would call him. And he would walk <laughs> you through what you needed to do. And what people don't realize. He wasn't a doctor. What people don't realize about, about, about crabs is, like, you have to burn your, all your clothes. I mean, they're like they're lice. Yeah. 
They're yeah. lice. In fact, you can't wear anything in your in your room in your confines the rest this, of your this life. This is the most random. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, hey, I mean, we've talked about wrestling movies in Roadhouse. Now we're talking about crabs and STDs <laughs> that are hot in the so strip Billy, club. do you like movies about gladiators? <laughs> You, I, you're never going to be able to have me back on your podcast. You oh, know that, come on, It's the dude. most most random stuff. Yes, yes. Random thoughts by Jason and Jay. <laughs> That's a new podcast. That is a totally new podcast. We don't know what we're going to talk about. We're just going to start talking well, and see where it goes. When I when I filled in when Brian wasn't able to get on your podcast, one of the most fun things I ever done was like random conversation because you're like, hey, we're not going to talk about your podcast until Brian's able to, and we just talked about random. It's like. 30 minutes on Led Zeppelin, 30 minutes on arm wrestling movies. And Roadhouse. And Roadhouse. Yeah. 30 minutes on Roadhouse. But it was it was not just arm wrestling movies. It was Stallone movies. Yes. We talked about right. Tango and Cash. Cobra. Cobra. Lock Up. Lock Up. Yes. yes. Underrated. Yes. Over the top, Over the obviously. Top. But what we didn't talk about was the good Stallone movies. Like First Blood, Rocky 1 and 2, Rocky 3. Rocky 4. He defeated yes. communism. And I don't about, care what you what say. What about Victory? Communism. Great movie. We talked a little bit about Victory. Yeah, Victory was great. The yeah. soccer movie. Kind of like the poor man's great escape. Yes. With Steve McQueen. With pe- the, the the great late Pele. Yes. Was in yes. that. And um, uh, Michael Caine, right? We can win this. Yes. Remember the great speech in the bathroom on the floor? Yes. Was sucked out to, for the original escape attempt? These are great moments in, in Hollywood It history. is great moments. Um, what were some of the great moments in Rock and Pod? Um, talking about crabs with you. <laughs> um, last night at Eastside Bowl was great. Um, saw some really cool things that you wouldn't normally see. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, just hanging out, talking with fellow podcasters, man. Yeah. The interviews, you know, sitting, I was just talking with Ricky Rackman and Ace over by Ricky's yep. uh, table. Uh, showing him pictures of my son last night at the Battle of Bands. Oh, nice. How do you do? How do you do? He said that they were the best one. Yeah. So, um, so I got to hear more. I, I, I briefly spoke to him today. Is he playing a Les Paul? Les Paul only got an SG for Christmas. Oh, yes, yeah, right. I think. Yeah. We, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, he's. Um, Why don't he's, you go to the Gibson Garage, take your nephew, and go buy your son like a shirt or something from there? I already did last time. I was oh, okay. Here. Get him another one. Get him a Kramer shirt. I got a hot pink Kramer shirt from the Gibson Garage yesterday. You're telling I people that? I should have wore it You would have matched the girl I with the zebra pants. I would have a lot of people here. You would have been there, man. You I, just put a wig on? You, you've worn a wig before. Of course. Yes, of course. Multiple times. What kind of wig do you use? I have a blonde mullet with big, big feathered. Dude, that gets you a lot of ladies. That's got to get you a lot no, of ladies. No, my, my wife is a million percent horrified by it, and I will bring up a picture. And, uh, boys... That was from a Halloween show two years ago when we dressed up for the Halloween show. I don't show. know if that's you trying to be Joe Dirt or no. if that's a raccoon on your head. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's something. I could have worn that today and nobody would even batted an eye at no. me. I would have fit. No. I would have no. fit fit right in. No. Yeah. I mean that. And then my favorite. I saw someone today. You remember when they had the T-shirts that under the armpit was torn all the way to oh, the yeah. bottom of the mm-hmm. shirt. So like I didn't see that shirt. Like 1989, 1990. And somebody was walking around with that shirt on, like that style. How How is there not a clothing booth here that has that kind of stuff that we're seeing? Like yeah. Zubaz should freaking be here. Should they? Yes, they should. They would get some sales. Do we want them to have sales? Do we want people walking around with Zubaz? I would talk you to get Zubaz. I am not getting Zubaz. I, I would walk you over there, there and we'd get Zubaz together. They, well, I'll tell you a story. When I was in 
when I was younger, um, I stayed overnight at a friend's house and I was really drunk. Remember, your nephew is next yeah. to you, so and, be careful. Um, I, my clothes um, were not wearable <laughs> the next morning, so I wore his Zubaz pants and a Michael Bolton t-shirt. So what would what, 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 what the Zubaz? Yes, Did Michael Bolton Michael Zubaz. Bolton Soul Provider t-shirt. That's the whitest kid probably has ever existed. <laughs> There's none the more whiter. Zubaz and Michael whiter. Bolton. I'm surprised you didn't spontaneously combust out of the sheer white heat Dude, of that like, outfit. That outfit was just horrendous. It was it was the purple, pink, and white. It's the most purple, middle, pink, and white Zubaz. It's the most suburban white thing I think I could possibly ever wore. If you had a members-only jacket on, that's the only way it would have I been. had a members-only jacket. What, Remember, members-only jacket with the black Reeboks? Members, well, remember the IOU sweatshirts? Yes. Bum? Bum yes. equipment? Yes. Body glove? Yeah. Bad stuff. Bugle boy jeans? Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. What, what we're telling everybody here, if anybody's still listening at this point, is this is like a step back to the past a little bit. Yes. An unfortunate setback. We're reminiscing on shitty stuff. Sometimes progress is good. It's progress for a yes. reason. Think about how far we've come along in society. And you want Zubaz to still sell their product. Well, I think there's obviously there's still a market for it. Very small. Very small. But there, how many people are in this arena thing that we're in? Have Zubaz? Or ha- would, would wear Zubaz pants? I think there's what? About 7%. Yeah, but how many people are here? In total, in the in percentage versus the whole world population? No, versus this, this Rock and Pod co- Podcast Convention Center that are here right now. Like, Let's correlate this to sales, 7%. I, I, I actually think it's 20%, not 7 Look at that. Look at that. Yep. Zubass. She would wear Zubass. But what is she? God, what is, like, she's got like a beret on, a furry beret, red beret. And like a Peg Bundy skirt. Is that a raspberry beret? Ooh. Look at that. Hey, well, you got to go interview Leilani. I do. She's the best. Thanks All for right, having man. me on. Hey, man. Good seeing you. Safe travels Nice back. to see you in person. Yes. You're definitely not as ugly as you are on a computer screen. Well, thank you. I, you know, it's the filter. It's the filter I use. <laughs> but you're not wearing an eye patch. I was disappointed. No. no. Totally. All right, man. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Bye. Look at this. We got we got Sonny Pooney from every podcast in in the world on our show. How many podcasts are you on now? Uh, I don't know. Like six. Dude, these uh, one by one stickers are pretty cool. They're two by twos, man. <laughs> They're two by twos. <laughs> these are these are like the test. Uh, I opened up the box this morning. I didn't know they screwed up. So when I opened up the box, I had to make a conscious decision whether this is going to affect my whole day or just say "fuck it, let's go." <laughs> and I said "fuck it, let's go." As you can tell by everyone that's taken all the yeah the, the people really care. <laughs> There are sticker collectors at this. There box. is. Yeah, there's there people is. that don't say hello to you. They just come by and they yeah. take all the free stickers. Yeah, yeah. They and want my, swag. And, and these are the people that you see when you're driving that have the whole back of their van. That's right. Covered in bumper stickers. That's right. These are these people. Yeah. This is how I now I've realized how they collect all these. Because I've always wondered when I get behind people like that, like where the fuck they get all these stickers? <laughs> they get they them, got at, them at Rock and Pod. They get them at Rock and Pod. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's good. So, dude, how how was the show? How was the interviews? Uh, good. We had like eight interviews, and uh, they all went well. Cleavage Fest at uh, Podcast Rock City. What was that? Cleavage Fest. Oh, Cleavage Fest. Yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. For those listening and not able to attend, Podcast Rock City had a very impressive guest list in the beginning, which I think everybody was showing cleavage, including Eric Martin from Mr. <laughs> Big. 
Yeah, we got uh, pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah, I was like turning around. Paul you, Taylor even showed us yes, some Yes, because you're like right behind me. I'm like, who do you have over there? <laughs> and then I got you got to sign of, up for the right people. And then in front of me, I've got what's hot in the strip club. And I got you guys, you know. <laughs> that's what's really going on yes, in the strip club. that's what's really going on in the strip club. It was like a wet t-shirt contest, Daisy Duke contest over there. It's amazing. Hey, how it and, goes. You know, Sonny, just, just doing, being professional, you know. That's right. That's what you got to do, man. You got you to gotta plow through it. Yeah. You know? And There's you, only five women here, and I talked to them all. Yes. <laughs> and there's some people that, you know, are, are women that maybe you don't want to speak to. Uh, I saw one of those. Like the leopard uh, zebra yeah. uh, pants with yeah. the pink boots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell's going on? I don't know. Do people realize we're in 2023? <laughs> do people realize that we've advanced as humans since 1987? We don't have to wear that anymore. We <laughs> don't. And they then save Brad, it for this. Yes. Well, then you got Brad from Slamfest, who I swear, he has he, his his body is a vending machine that produces beer. That's right. Any any time you talk to him, he's just pulling out a and a koozie. He's got beer and koozies for everybody. It's amazing. He was saying there was people putting beer in his cooler because he's got that reputation. That's right. He knows he's the beer guy. Yeah. He was in a previous life a beer vendor at Wrigley Field. Or maybe, in his case, because he's from Michigan, Tiger Stadium. Yeah. And then he became a podcaster, but he still has that beer. How many beers does that guy have in his house right now? Does he I have a know. separate fridge for his beer? I, I'm thinking that's, uh, well, what's the beer, what's the alcohol company? Drizzly. Drizzly okay. comes by the house, like, I don't know, three times a week. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just walking around. He doesn't even have a backpack. He's just like, zoom, <laughs> out of nowhere, he's got, he produces a beer. And a koozie, a slam fest koozie. It's amazing. How'd your interviews go today? They went good, man. I had, did Tuck Smith, who was amazing. You may like him. Yeah. But again, you have bad taste in music, so unless it's Loverboy, you're not going to like him. And then I had Courtney uh, Cronin-Dold on, who was yeah. great, and Leilani Kilgore, which you guys had on, too. Yeah, yeah. She was She's cool. awesome. Yeah, she she's great. Cool. I, I saw like her stuff. Yeah, I saw her open up for Buddy Guy in January. Oh, okay. She was phenomenal. She's great. And she played last night. She she was the only one to do originals. Yeah. At, oh, okay. uh, At the Rare Hair event, which um, that guy who did the deal cover. Did you see that? What was that? The guy did a um, Man on the Silver Mountain cover. Oh, really? I wasn't and at Rare Hair last night. And the guy, and the, you were in the bar, though. Yeah, I was in the bar. I didn't go to the show. Yeah, that's what alcoholics do. You know? Yeah, Why didn't you go I'm to the show? It. Huh? Why didn't you go to the show? Because, you know, Rare Hair, I did it a couple of years ago. I I lose interest when it takes too long to get, like, the next set of people up there. So it's like I want song, 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 be done. Like, you know, do you ever understand that you have very strong diva tendencies? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. Are you doing the Monster Rock Cruise? I just won one. You won it? <laughs> How the fuck did you? <laughs> I won it. You won it. So I'm doing this one this year's anyway, okay. and I just won one for next year. And when is this uh, this year? Uh, April 29th. Okay. And you guys go to the same spots all the time, or is it different? Nah, sometimes it's in Orlando. Sometimes it's in um, Miami. This time it's in Cape Canaveral. Okay. All right, cool, man. Yeah. Sunny, man, it's always a blast. Thanks for being so much of a big help when I first started doing this podcast. Um, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing, so I appreciate You do now? I do. I, yeah, I, I the so stickers much show it. The stickers do show how I've advanced <laughs> as a podcaster. They do. They do. Imagine how small they would have been had I not spoken to you. That's basically what you're telling me. Um, but, yeah, no, but thank you very much. You're, you know, not just for me, but for a lot of people. I don't know if you realize, but people do really think highly of you, and uh, 
you're a great dude to have in you know anyone's corner and, and a great supporter of the community. Yeah, no, thank you for saying that. You know, yeah. I I just try to help whenever I can. Yeah, and give bad music takes. Yeah, well, yeah, I just whatever. have to sit and face palm movies too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy here hates the Godfather. Who the fuck Absolutely hates the Godfather? Hate the Godfather. The worst acting I have ever all right, seen. All right, let me ask you a question. What's better? Tango and Cash or The Godfather? Tango and Cash, You're 100%. Tango and Cash, 100%. Give me Sylvester Stallone, 100% of you the time. You got Kurt Russell, too, and yeah. a young Terry Hatcher. There you go. That's where I fell in love. Was Terry Hatcher? Yeah, Terry Hatcher yeah. was in that. Yeah. That curly hair? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. when I fell in love. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I've never met anyone that hates The Godfather. Now you have. Jesus Christ. But, hey, man, thank you. No problem. Thank have a you. good one. <laughs> and, that, and that wraps up day one and probably the only day we're going to be recording here at Rocket Pod. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, all the guests, Tuck Smith, Leilani Kilgore, Craig Gass, Courtney Cronendold, and uh, oh, also Mac from Ugly American Werewolf in London Podcast. He stopped by. Um, but thank you again. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you soon. Take care of each other. NFL draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.